This episode of the Tokunet podcast is sponsored by Tokulectables, CS Toys Japan, and the webcomic Red Belt. If you would like to hear your name or business at the beginning of the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash the Tokunet. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tokenet Podcast. I'm your host, Yasin, and I am joined by George. Hey! <laughs> Malinus. And Brody. Uh, I'm Penny Parker now. Oh my god. God, this is going to be a train wreck of an episode. <laughs> All right. Everyone's in a laughing Woo. mood. Yeah, we had a bit of a giggle fest before we hit record, and after we hit record, and right before the intro, and during the first intro. It was a journey. This is okay, good. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. No, we're going. This is all in. It's all in, man. All right. So, today we are going to do a retrospective look at the Heisei Kamen Rider era. Series. Uh, yeah, we're going to look at all the shows from Kuga to Geo, and we're just going to talk about it. Talk about what we liked about them, give a little bit of what our take on them. Um, because, you know, recently the Heisei era in Japan ended, and now we're in the Reiwa Reiwa, is that how you pronounce it? Reiwa. Yes. Thanks for that, George. <laughs> Someone's got to. Someone's got to. All right. Uh, so before we jump right into, you know, Comrade Kuga, there is a little bit of a gray area in the fact that, you know, we have a few movies that aired technically in the Heisei era, but... It's mm-hmm. debatable. Some people consider it to be part of the Heisei Kamen Rider era. Some people think it isn't. I don't know. They're kind of standalone. Yeah, so we have... it's it. It's not even a fandom thing. Like when you look at the Gaim Spring movie, Showa versus Heisei, it's like those three guys are part of the Showa group. Yeah, that is that is that is a good point. I I've always heard the the theory that it's because they were made by Ishinomori. Because like, I could see that. that they're closer to shower writers in that sense. So, without me having any specific expertise on this topic, um, there's so the way I see it is those movies were standalone and during sort of the TV series uh, hiatus, where, yeah. whereas Kuga brought the whole series back and they started doing the annual thing. So, yeah. I think that's what it has to do with is like that was the rebirth, if you will, of Kamen Rider. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the movies that we're talking about is Shin Kamen Rider, mm-hmm. Kamen Rider Z-O, which is not to be confused, confused with G-O. Technically, and, it's pronounced Z-T-O-O. Yeah, that's true. And Kamen Rider J. Um, so have you guys actually seen all of these movies? Yes, and I barely remember yep. anything about any of them. I have seen <laughs> not a single one, but I've seen Shin Kamen Rider's, uh, your Kamen Rider Shin's, Henshin and oh boy, is that nightmare fuel? Oh yeah, um, that was like a back. That was 
a backdoor pilot for a TV show that never actually came into existence. Probably for the best. Followed up the next year by a movie, which was a backdoor pilot for a TV show that never came into existence. Hmm. And then with Jay, they're just like, whatever, we're not getting a TV show, just make a movie. Just <laughs> just, just modify Zeto, we don't care. Pretty much. Yeah, uh, the one there that I miss out on the most is like, Zio, just because that, that would have been a really, really cool TV show. It was very stylish. It was uh, directed by Amemiya, the dude who went on to create Garo. I hear they made the Power Rangers out of it. <laughs> but um, bumch. Boy. Wow, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. You didn't, though. <laughs> I guess I did. I, you're right. I just, I'm just chaotic neutral right now. There is also something else that, that you forgot to mention in regards to the time the era the bleeding over. No. no. Yes, but no. Well, who cares about that? Um, RX. Yeah. Technically, I think right. mo- I think most of it aired in the Heisei era. That's mm-hmm. true. That is true. I don't know, I always because it's just I don't know. I guess I always considered that to be still Showa. Yeah, Zio's not a Ray Wall writer. Yeah, would or, yeah, or Gio is would he? be. <laughs> yeah, would Gio be considered Heisei still? Yeah, he's the last Heisei. That's God, 20th right. anniversary, man. Come on, that's the whole thing. That's what I'm saying. But like <laughs> RX, like aired between the two eras, right? Yeah. Yeah, but they didn't know that the era was going to change because the emperor died suddenly. Uh, mm. Rewa is a very different kind of case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's that, true. That's true. Zero one is the zero first rider of the Rewa era. Technically, if you want to get into these sort of semantics they actually build uh not as in common writer build but b-i-l-l-e-d uh common writer brain was advertised as the final writer of the heisei era yeah that was and i guess technically ginga would be the first reiwa writer yep that's interesting just like how uh view soul gold is actually being advertised as the first reiwa ranger is it not yeah, he, he must be having a grand time. <laughs> like, look at me, I'm so special. And I'm gold. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, Shirakura, the producer for Zio, has uh, said many things about Zio, and one of them was that they will address whether or not uh, Zio counts as a Reiwa writer, which I'm going to guess is no. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, that's not... <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. If we're talking about Geo at the same time as Zio, that's going to get confusing. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I I enjoyed those movies a lot. Um, I remember the first time watching Shin and being very confused by it. Uh, but I was also very new to Kamen Rider in general, so that threw me off. Hmm. Um, I remember seeing Jay and being excited that, you know, seeing um, Tarion Ranger back as a Common Rider. That was pretty cool to see. Oh, yeah. yeah, The whole Ultraman thing was really weird. (laughs) But cool. Whenever I think of Jay, I always think, yet another reason that the dinosaurs cease to exist, apparently. (laughs) Like the villain. (laughs) Akito. Were you a soldier? Probably. Oh, yeah, that's true. One of the bad guys in Jay was an Akito. Oh, okay. So Kuga. So Kuga. That's the. Yeah, let's uh, jump into Kuga. Kuga is the quote-unquote official first, you know, writer series. Yeah. For and, uh, I'm sure uh, I want to have a two-hour discussion about why it's not, though. 
George, the opening says, new hero, new legend. It doesn't say new era, though. Mm. Mm -hmm. Zio does. It's going to be that kind of podcast. We're going to argue about semantics the whole time. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. I I would argue we're not even arguing about semantics. This is just black and white. (laughs) Uh, So So Kuga. (laughs) So Kuga. So how did you come away with Kuga? Like, what, what was your vibe from the show? Because for me, um, um, it was kind mm-hmm. of a slow show, kind of a slow burn, but not necessarily in a bad way. It just kind of felt more like a drama than a writer show at times. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty much um, how it was constructed. Mm. Kuga, for me, was not my first writer show. That was uh, Fies, but it was one of the earlier ones I watched, and it was definitely... Fies kind of pulled me into writer because it it did seem like oh this is very dramatic and soap opera-ish for a like a superhero show, and then Kuga just amped that up to eleven. It goes beyond just the way people act or the storylines. There are episodes where literally the only bit of sci-fi is like Goldie transforming at the tail end of an episode. And yeah, the the earlier. Heisei Kamen Rider series like there was a lot of uh, you would see the action at the very end of the episode and then it'll pick up at the very beginning of the episode and then they would stop fighting and they wouldn't fight again until like the end of the, that episode yeah like, there's was, there was, there was a lot of book ending of action with a lot of drama in between yeah it was a very like, different uh, setup than it is now yeah not to skip ahead too far but just on that note there's an episode of Akito that always stuck with me because like I think the fir- the opening of the episode like ended the fight abruptly, and then like there was a transformation at the very end. So the entire episode was just characters. Yeah. So that is... Yeah, they, they they tend to do that a lot. It was really interesting. But on um, Kuga, um, I think because people always hyped it up, I found found the ending a little bit underwhelming. Hmm. That's what I was gonna say. Like I watched it. After watching maybe a handful of uh, shows, like you know, before that, so like it was, I want to say I watched it around 2010, 2011, after I had watched like most of the shows that came before it, as far as mm-hmm. Heisei, and it was hyped so much on message boards. It's like, he's the strongest common writer. He did a writer kick that destroyed like three blocks and this and this, and it was like. Like everybody talked about how good this show was, and I watched it. And I was like, this, I I liked it at first, but then towards the end, I don't know. I had mixed feelings about it. And it could have been the, shorter. Yeah, it, there, there was. I remember there was the episode was it twenty five or twenty six where it just I don't know. It felt like it was the most filler episode ever. It was crazy. Without but, um, without without uh talking specifics about the ending um. I just remember people saying, oh, it's such a, a daring ending. It's so, like, artistic. And then when I was watching it, I was like, this is kind of boring. I think it depends on when you've watched it. Yeah. But And also what kind of, uh, I guess you set your expectations. Because it is the first one that they've done, the full series have done since, you know, 89. So, like, it was a totally different direction. Well, let's just go ahead and spoil stuff because it's, okay. you know, it's a 20-year-old show at this point. Oh, mm-hmm. man. It's a 20-year-old show at this point. 
So the short version is uh, the penultimate episode ends with Kuga fighting the main bad guy. Um, the fight is very raw. It's basically him and the other guy trading punches like street brawler style. There's no real choreography to it. And it sort of ends as like they both punch each other one last time and it cuts away. And the next episode has skipped over that fight. And the main just, character... Yeah, it's just epilogue. not in that episode. Yeah, like Goldeye, the main character, is not in that episode until the like very last scene of the final episode. Um, a lot of the rest of it is like people talking about him. And you kind of don't know whether or not he survived that fight until the very end. Wow. That is that sounds really artsy and uh, <laughs> the way you describe it, it sounds like a very pretentious kind of ending where it's just yeah. like, oh, you have to you have to figure out what happened. That kind of ending has its place and its uses, but if none of the show had done anything where it like tries to hint at something without explicitly saying it, maybe it fits kind of weird. I don't know. I haven't seen the show. <laughs> I I definitely still recommend watching it because I think it's still a good show. I just feel like at the time where I had watched it, it was hyped up to such a degree that no matter what I thought of it, it wouldn't have met those expectations, I think. Yeah. Um, and I remember being underwhelmed by the final fight because, like George said, it's just like, you know, it, it was like sort of a brawler style. Like, they were just exchanging punches and standing there. And it was, yeah. at the time, I felt like it was a letdown, but I do want to rewatch it just to give it a second you know viewing you know yeah. 10 years later almost 10 years later since i've seen it yeah. hearing you guys uh, say this i think i have an interesting perspective uh, um because you know i i have been through facebook looking through fandom posts a lot and people say things about all the different shows and whatnot and people say oh this show was so great and this show was so great and a decade was not good and i'm just like well i'm not gonna have any expectations going in personally because i just try to go into the whole thing with an open mind i don't know Every show has its own sort of feel to me. So I I feel like I could go into something like Kuga with no expectations, but I do still feel that I should watch it, that it's a meaningful, worthwhile watch, because oh. because yeah. it's it's the beginning of the Heisei era back on TV. And I find meaning in that. I think it's, yeah. it's the best approach is to just, you know, go in open-minded and just, you know, watch yeah. it for what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, that's it's... the best way to watch any of these shows, really. Yeah, yeah. Kuga is also interesting to just because it was like the first Heisei show, um, so you got to see things like, oh, how are they going to introduce the idea of form changes to the franchise? I mean, technically, right. Stronger had one, but I think RX did too, right? Oh, right, yeah. right. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, well, the form changes in Kuga were a lot more present. Uh, RX didn't get his until. I want to say like nearly half, halfway into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Stronger and Skyrider had like form changes, but like in Skyrider's case, like it was one of those things where like the new form completely replaces his previous form. Mm. And um, so, uh, yeah, go ahead. Here's a here's a good compliment compliment for Kuga. Um, before I watched this show, I was watching Wizard, and I was severely disappointed by how they handled the police there, because they had a police character mm-hmm. who largely just kind of spent her time sitting on the couch eating donuts. That's yep. fair. <laughs> and Kuga actually has a lot of emphasis on how the police is dealing with monsters. Right. 
complete with like actual progression in how they deal with them so, so just like interesting fact there is that the uh the producer of the show really wanted this to be kind of grounded in reality at times so yeah. he actually called the police you know in real life and he's like so hey yeah i'm working on a tv show if like i don't know monsters or something actually appeared what division of the police would handle that and like he integrated like what they told him into the show that's really cool yeah just dials 911 what if there were monsters <laughs> help a grungy is attacking um, <laughs> and that's that's, that's, a, that's an interesting, th- interesting thing to note is that the the bad guys of the show the grungy they had their own language that they spoke and depending on what version you watched or when you watched it i guess like the first airing they didn't have any translations for the grongi speak yeah and i guess a re rebroadcast had the translation yeah rebroadcast and the home home, home media video yeah that's interesting uh, like they so had like japanese you, japanese subtitles basically right. yeah yeah so it was a mystery as to their motives for like the whole show because yeah. you can well, understand them as it progresses they do start to speak uh, japanese a bit um it's true i, I have they... heard this as like a, a complaint people have because there are times where those conversations would go on for like a minute or two and there's just no subtitles so you have no mm-hmm. idea what they're saying that, that's kind of part of what makes it look a little bit artsy <laughs> Not yeah, gonna yeah. lie, I, I'm kind of tempted to just try to find the version with no subtitles for that part. <laughs> just guess your way be... through it. I just, just want to experience what they did back in the day. <laughs> I did, yeah. there. Um, I mean, I don't know if this will stay in the podcast, but there are versions out there that offer both subtitled and unsubtitled versions. So mm-hmm. I think you'll be able to find it. Interesting. But yeah, let's. Uh, we've got like you know 19 of the shows to go through. So let's... <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Uh... Let's, uh... I was going to say, speaking of artsy shows, Akito. Akito. Which is uh, actually technically in the same world as uh, Kuga. Yeah. It's the... There's only like one reference to it, I believe. Yeah. So it's, uh, uh, Akito's it's... producer actually changed his mind about that. Oh. Like really early. Yeah. So this this isn't like like retroactive like from like this year. It was like really, really early on. Um, it's actually on the Agito website from the time. He's like, yeah, we decided not to have it be part of the same world just because we feel it would disrespect what the characters of Kuga went through by having more monsters appear. Because uh, Kuga's main character was a very... He was pacifist, and he didn't like fighting. Mm-hmm. So you do see him struggle with having to fight. Um, and like he breaks down from that at times. So he was like, yeah, it, w- it would really invalidate a lot of what he went through if we're like, oh, by the way, here are more monsters he didn't defeat. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Basically, Sorry. it's just like, near the start of the show, the police are dealing with uh, the monsters of Agito, and they're like, hey, these aren't like the monsters that we dealt with before. What's going on? And that's basically the only connection to Kuga. They do say, was it Agito? Unidentified, like they say... unidentified unknown or... or... Yeah, like identified life form like number four, something like that. Yeah, which is like what the police called Kuga in in Kuga. Yeah, basically, they just said he's not here right now. So what do we do? Uh, and also uh, another thing to note about Kuga and Agito is that, as opposed to having like a external device, like their henshin belts were like a part of them. Hmm. So like they would, uh, like Kuga or Godai Yusuke, he had. He came in contact with the artifact, and the artifact kind of fused with his body, so then 
that's how he becomes Kuga. And I believe that's... I forget how... Honestly, I forget how Agito... Or how... So, the thing with Agito is, like, it's actually a bit of a mystery for a while, but... Um, right. Agito himself was on a boat with a bunch of other people, and right. they were given, like, these seeds, and... The, like, they either sprouted people into, like, you know, like, Agito-like warriors or, like, monsters or stuff like that. Because um, mm-hmm. the whole deal with Agito is the bad guy is basically God. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's afraid of how strong humans are becoming. And then the good guy is like, well, you know, like, you know, we shouldn't destroy them. So he gives some of his power to, like, various humans. And boom, that's how people become Agito. Yeah, I... A lot of these shows I haven't seen like in forever, but my impression of when I watched Agito was that I was really interested in the show as I watched it, but by the end and afterwards, I I don't know, it didn't leave the hugest impression for me. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because um, I, I, wonder... I had the opposite reaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because like for the way I always tell people about Agito is for the first dozen episodes, it's going to seem really pretentious, but it gets better. Because like like you said, the main villain is God or whatever, and is depicted as a person in all black. Yep. Yeah. With with long hair. He kind of looks like uh, Shinji Kido. <laughs> he does. Um, I I want I want to give this show another shot because I've only seen it once, and it was a long mm. time ago. And I really mm-hmm. want to get back to because I, I aesthetically I love the show like I love how Agito looks. Yeah. Um, I like I like the juxtaposition between Agito, Gills, and G three. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, it's it's the first show with multiple writers. Um, I guess since writer man, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Showa era started a bunch of this first. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. I guess yeah. it's fair to say it's the first show that really stuck with that idea of secondary writers. Mm-hmm. I think Agito should get some credit as introducing another writers. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Um, <laughs> so, like, yeah, just touching on, like, the differences between the writers and Agito, it's, if you look at them, Agito looks, like, refined and like a, well, like a superhero. The other guys look very monstrous. And within the show, that's because uh, Shoichi, Agito himself, is, like, the only person who could manifest a very, like, perfected version of the power he was given. The others are, like, not not all the way there. Yeah, and then there's G3, which is kind of an interesting police-made writer. Yeah. His his transformation sequences were a lot of fun to watch. Oh, yeah. I always like seeing the helmet come on in the back sort of forms behind him basically um yeah like his were like they weren't like you know a typical flash of light and boom he's transformed it was you see him putting the armor on piece by piece and not just him he has to have like a team yeah 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 he they always have that uh that night rider truck (laughs) yeah they do sounds like he's trying to be armor or or iron man i can't talk i mean it's it's not far off he's just not a billionaire that's it. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I, I went into Agito kind of in the opposite way with Kuga, where uh, I had very low expectations because it was the last of the, uh, as of Wizard, it was like the last Heisei Rider show I hadn't seen. So I had seen all the ones written by Inoue, and I knew that this was <laughs> written by Inoue. So my expectations were low. I was very pleasantly surprised by the show. It was very charming. Yeah. This is, 
I think the one show where he like really doesn't let himself go crazy, he's able to like almost censor himself in a way. Like mm-hmm. he's able to keep himself on track. The way I always interpret some of his writing later on is that uh, what he did with Fies was really popular, so everyone kept telling him, "Just do what you did with Fies. Do it more." I can see that. Um, yeah. uh, but, interesting. I guess the interesting question to bring up for you guys, which is, um, what what show was airing when you started watching Common Rider? I want to say it was either Double or O's, because O's was one that I actually jumped onto like when it was halfway through. Okay. Brody? Uh, well, that would be Gaian. Uh, hmm, yeah. Cool. I mean, I saw the ads showing the fruit things, and, you know, they had really silly ads for Gaian at the time. And I was just like, this looks like the best thing ever. Just fruit <laughs> superheroes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so, it was so silly, I was so into it. Yeah. For me, it was uh, Kabuto. Kabuto was airing. And I mm. started watching mm. Kabuto uh, halfway through. On YouTube, I... right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've said that. Yeah. It was, it was weird. It was a, a, at a time where, you know, people were just uploading everything on YouTube. Um, and and yeah, they would. They would it's when they had a time limit. So you can only upload mm-hmm. like 10 minutes at a time. So every episode three. was three videos. And yeah, I'd watch. I'd watch. I'd let three parts load for Kabuto, and then three parts load for Fies, and then three parts for Bokenjo. Like I was watching like four shows at a time because I just got into <laughs> Tokusatsu, and I was like, I need to consume every show at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, George, what about you? Um, Blade was on the air when I got into it. Okay. Uh, it was the tail end of Blade, though, so it was like 2005. Um. But the first show I watched properly was Fies. Yeah, I think the first full Kamen Rider show that I watched was also Fies. And I was watching that as I was watching Kabuto. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to see, just to get a gauge, because it seems like we have different uh, starting points for all of us, which is really interesting. And it's really There's interesting a lot of young people here, and I have grievances <laughs> with y'all. I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you guys. Um... So my the, the way I started, uh, the way I started watching was I started with Gaim, and of course the next thing I wanted to watch after that was uh, was Wizard. I wanted to work my way backwards, so right. I um, I actually ended up skipping over Wizard because at the time I was watching on a school computer and they only had episode two blocked. Episode three was up, episode one was <laughs> up, but I couldn't watch episode two, so naturally I had to move on. So I went back to like Forze, then back to Wizard and O's uh, double. I have I've mm-hmm. since watched Kiva. I skipped over Decade because I, in order to watch Decade, and I know I don't have to, but I want to watch the previous shows first. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's and and I've watched every Common Rider since Gaian. So that how have you guys approached watching the series? Have you guys just jumped around, or have you had a method? Um, well, for uh, for me, and I think probably for George as well, it was a lot more limited as to what was available. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, so you kind of watched what was out there. And right. while I was watching uh, Kabuto, yeah, I, I watched Fies. Then after that, I believed I watched Ryuki. And then I jumped to Blade. I don't think I saw Agito until like maybe a year or two later. And then mm-hmm. Kuga was like maybe a, a year or so after that. 
So it was kind of scattershot where I was like, I wasn't able to watch it sequentially or, I don't know, it was, it was, a, it was a weird time because, you know, right. things were like half available and whatnot. George? Yeah. Um, for me, so like 2005 to 2012-ish was a really sweet spot for Tokusatsu because I actually had the opposite view that Yas has in, in that like there was a lot of stuff available for me to watch. Um, so I would just watch whatever I could get my hands on that seemed interesting. So I I had liked Power Rangers. I liked Sentai. That's what got me into Rider. Um, so I, I watched Fies. I burned through it in like three days. I loved it. I downloaded Hibiki and I was like, oh, this show's weird. Who would like this crap? So yeah. I went to Blade. <laughs> um, and then I just kept going from there. You know, I went backwards until I got to... I had to skip Agito because that was not available online for the longest time. I saw Kuga and then a bunch of the older stuff. So, like like Yas said, when you're a new fan, you really want to consume as much as, of this as you can. So in those early years, I saw dozens and dozens of shows. I pretty much whatever I could get my hands on it at but, one point. But you also watched it regardless of if it, if it had subtitles or not, right? Correct. But see, that's for me. That was, that was kind of yeah, a, yeah. A, a, ba- a barrier for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was more like what was available that I could actually understand. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's why I haven't watched much of the show stuff, and I want to get back. I want to get into it more because you know now more. Most of it available. is sub now. <laughs> most most of it is sub, which is awesome. Uh, but yeah, back then it was like, it was like four shows that I could watch and one of them everybody kept ragging on so I didn't watch Hibiki for a long time and I regretted that. Um, just we'll like get to one that later. quick little huh? story I always one little story I, I always like to tell is uh, during my early days something that was harder to find was a lot of the shows from like the 70s and um, I remember watching an episode the first episode of Kamen Rider for the very first time it was this like 70 megabyte real media player file it was Ooh. super tiny super pixelated and I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. It kind of sucks that I'm never going to be able to see it in better quality than this. I say, <laughs> as there are now Blu- Blu-ray riffs. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, time, times of... Uh, it's a funny thing. This, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, Mal, how did you... Uh, Get into it. Cons- the, yeah. What was your process? Yeah, what was your process? Walk us um, Well... It was similar to George, I think, because like you said, that was a sweet spot those uh, years. So um, ironically, when I started watching the weekly shows as they were airing, that's kind of when I kind of slowed down watching the rest of the shows. But um, by the time Wizard was ending, I decided I want to go into Gaim having knowledge of all these shows. And for some reason, I thought it was a smart idea to watch Kuga at the same time as Ryuki and Blade boy that makes uh, sense <laughs> turns out um i think ryuki out of all of them was the one i finished first because i just started focusing solely on ryuki it's an easy show to kind of watch it's really yeah, it fun. is yeah so uh, should we jump into ryuki since we're on that subject yes. is there anything anybody want to say about agito it has some really well composed scenes at times um like Mal, you remember that scene in the forties? I think where like they all lose their powers for like an episode, and then they finally get it back. Mm. Um. I, so I it's this. 
yeah it's just like where their powers are sort of um personified as human children i think hmm. and there's this really cool scene where shoichi is giving this very heroic speech and there's this fantastic bit of orchestra music playing as he like you know he declares his resolve to like fight whether or not he has powers and stuff like that and he transforms and it was like holy crap this is this is artistic <laughs> also that that bit where uh you find out that so like i said earlier like various people were given the seed of agito uh shoichi's sister actually was one of those people but she did she kill herself i forget um, i'm pretty sure she did yeah like you see that she didn't under, really understand what was going on and you do see like these flashbacks of her like freaking out and for like very brief seconds her body would transform into the agito suit for like a split second and it was really jarring and like again artistic to me first he's a uh, female writer <laughs> no no <laughs> well <laughs> uh, another another agito oh god uh so yeah let's uh let's jump into ryuki there's something about agito i really thought was interesting that i forgot to mention is uh the whole reason we have Agito is because of 9-11. Oh? Um, wait, wait. Isn't that so, Ryuki? Mm, yes. And <laughs> yes, you are right. I thought... Okay, cool. So the whole reason we have Ryuki is because of 9-11. <laughs> it's early here. Um, so basically, the producer, Shinichiro Shirakura, had worked on three shows in a row that were based on Ishinomori property. So there was uh, Robocon, I think? Um, Kuga and Agito they all aired in the same time slot and he's like there's this theory that says if you work on something for more than three years no matter how successful it is you know, it's going to get a little boring so he didn't want to work on another Ishinomori thing and then 9-11 happens and people at TBS Ahi and Toei were like so we need to teach a show we need to make a show that teaches kids about justice and so the viewpoint that informs a lot of Ryuki is that everybody within their own mind is like the main character of their own show. So they naturally view themselves as infallible as like, I can't be wrong because I'm the main character. And Shirakuda wanted to show that like, no, it doesn't matter whether or not you're your own main character. You can still make errors. You can, you can make mistakes. And so that's why he portrayed like different viewpoints of justice and, you know, everyone is doing what they think is right, but that doesn't necessarily make them right. Mm. That's a really thoughtful idea for a show. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and it comes from the idea that, you know, terrorists at times do believe like they are serving a greater purpose. Mm. I feel like he misunderstood the note. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like the produ- uh, the higher ups whoever were, you know, Maybe they were going for something more simple and, you know, a clear-cut definition of justice, whereas Shirakura is like, yeah, let's dissect this and examine this from every angle with 13 writers. At 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's awesome. I really like Ryuki. Ryuki's a great show. This is... This is... uh... A rare thing where I, I'm not going to say it's the first this time, but it is the <laughs> second common writer to be brought to the U.S. Technically is third it? because uh, Black RX was used along with Zedo and J. Here comes my here comes my henchman. Ready, common rider. 
Wait, wait, wait. Was that... Oh, and... Actually, Mal, V3 aired in America in San Francisco in a little-known area for about three years in the 80s. So. Fascinating. Just saying. It's time now for Dynaman. <laughs> um, I watched Dynaman. It was great. Anyway, oh, yeah. uh, I, what, what I was going to say was Common uh, Rider Dragon Knight was something I watched before Ryuki. And, uh, uh, well, I thought... Um, both these shows kind of have interesting pros and cons, in in my opinion, because they kind of play with each other. Like, I felt that Dragonite had really forgettable characters. Ryuki had very memorable characters. I felt like the mirror world was really weird and, again, artistic in Ryuki. and Dragonite, they really had an interesting setting. Or, no, Dragonite. Yeah, I don't know which one I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But, well, what I'm saying is that Dragon Knight had a more interesting idea, I think, for the Mirror World. Yeah, I've always thought that it, it took it took a while to get into Dragon Knight, but once the story really started going, that that show was really good. Yeah, I was I was watching it thinking, oh, I can't wait to see how Ryuki handles this, and then Ryuki is just like, let's not explain what the Mirror World is exactly. Yeah. I mean, technically, I was, uh, uh, for fan fiction reasons, I was actually rereading what the Mirror World exactly was, and it seems like it depends on which piece of Ryuki fiction you're watching. Because, <laughs> like, it, that's actually something that's fascinating about Ryuki, kind of showing that it's a, a product of the time where they were experimenting. You had the movie, which kind of had its own ending to the show. Then you had a TV special, which was kind of its own continuity. And uh, I guess Zio did its own thing much much later. Zio. Yeah. Geo. Oh. Yes, he means Geo. I told you it would get okay. confusing. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, remember yeah, that it, Zeto O revival they had recently? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this is an interesting time as far as um, the movies are concerned for these shows because mm-hmm. a lot of them are either alternate tellings of the stories or alternate universes. They don't connect to the main shows like they do nowadays. Yeah. So it was always interesting to see. like Some, some movies would tell the whole series story in like, an hour and a half and make it a different ending or whatever. Other ones would just make it a completely different... Like, I think the only ones that were really connected were the Hibiki one... Kabuto, technically. Kab- well, Kabuto is more like a retelling, right? Uh, it's it's yeah. like an alternate history that ends with some time travel nonsense. Yeah, so I don't really see it as being connected to the main... I said story. technically. <laughs> nah. Yeah, I, think, um, I don't even remember what the Agito movie was. Honestly. Agito was kind of... It didn't really feel like it was out of place with the show. Yeah. It was just kind of like a little side story. Yeah. I think other than that, they didn't really introduce the movies into the TV shows themselves until Decade. Yeah. And just a quick oh, little, pl- quick little no, plug yeah, for uh, our YouTube channel... Um, Tom and Cooney did a review of the Agito movie and explained the history of why there's not a Kuga movie. So check that I'll out. Check that out. Yeah. 
Who's your favorite character in Ryuki? Because you're like so many. Um, you know, I I always like the lawyer, like Zolda. Yeah. So that was a popular one. Back on. Raya, that's another one I really liked. Like, he, he was the other pacifist in the show. Oh, yeah. And he was kind of a, a fortune teller, was it? Yeah. I was about to say he's a psychic, but that doesn't sound quite right. <laughs> um, I liked Tiger as a character. Not necessarily his, like, actions, because they were really scummy, but mm. I liked how he was sort of a victim of brainwashing, almost. Like... Mm-hmm. And how, because he, he really had an affinity for, uh, what's his face, alternative. Um, so there's another masked warrior dude in Ryuki who is not a common Rider named Alternative. And Tiger is like, he really looks up to this guy, but at some point he's like, well, if I have to, if I ever want to like, you know, achieve my goals and my mission, I have to kill him because I have to surpass him. <laughs> so I thought that was a really... The way they they worked with that was really interesting. Mm. Um, very twisted. Was, very twisted. Yeah. Very twisted. And yeah, like I, I do remember really liking his his death scene because it's not he doesn't die in battle. It's not very like superheroish. He he saves a kid who's about to get hit by a vehicle. Like he pushes him out of the way and he gets hit and he dies on the street. And mm-hmm. it's like ah. This is a really interesting conclusion to that character arc. Yeah. And now that we're bringing up uh, sadistic, what was it? What was the word I tossed out there? Uh, Oja. (laughs) (laughs) Oja. I love it. The uh, literally a criminal. Um, Serial killer. Yeah, that I read so much about him before the show, and I'm like people are overblowing this because when I, what got me into fires was a review that said, you know, it's such a well-crafted show and every fight has a reason for existing. That was BS. Um, <laughs> and then I read like, and then I read like, you know, people are saying Ryuki's bad guy. Oh, is like so wicked and demented and he's a murderer and a killer. Doesn't care about anybody. He just I'm punches like, oh. people a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, let's see how, how they over-exaggerated this. And then I watched the show, and I'm like, nah, yeah, that was right. Um, <laughs> see, I met is he straight up a criminal? I met him yeah. in, in X-Aid, in a V-Cinema. I was going to say, that is a, a great moment for him. Uh, very twisted. <laughs> poor, twisted. Poor fans of X-Aid. Oh, man. Just watching as oh. OJ just rubs his face in broken glass. <laughs> oh. <laughs> poor Emu. <laughs> um, he wasn't ready. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to go generic and say like Shinji was probably my favorite. I I I, don't know, I just loved watching both the actor and the character just bumble through that show. Like <laughs> it was so yeah. much fun. Like he was just he was the right amount of like goofy but also courageous and like mm. he wanted to just help people and he just wanted everybody to get along. He had his own cast um, of uh, supporting characters. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Now that you mention it, just now that you mention it, him kind of bumbling his way through everything, you just reminded me, Dragon Knight had a really weird recap episode, and I was interested to see how Ryuki handled it, 
that is one of my favorite episodes. It's just a very emotional one for Shinji. Yeah. Because, mm. like, the, the Dragon Knight one is just, like, the heroes who survived just kind of chilling out at a couch being like, hey, remember when that one guy died? Yeah, that was... <laughs> it's just a weird yeah. tone for what they were talking about. And then the Ryuki one is basically just the writer with the time powers just caused everything to kind of repeat itself so Ryuki gets to see everyone tragically die all over again. <laughs> Pause restart, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, the, the big major writer has a power to turn back time. For plot reasons, he decided to just kind of make everything happen all over again, and every time Ryuki tries to like be like, oh, I remember what happened, I need to tell everyone not to fight each other, and as soon as he tries to intervene, his memory gets erased. So he just kind of Everything plays out the same way it did again, and he knows it. So, that moment when x has some real ties to Ryuki, twice. <laughs> um, yeah, because the whole the motivation for the villain in Ryuki is that he knows his sister is going to die, and he's trying to save her. And so he gives random people writer powers and is hoping to use the energy from their battles to you know, find a way to keep her alive. And the implication is that this fight has happened so many times and that the end result is always that his sister chooses to die that he just keeps resetting time over and over so the implication is like the tv show is one telling of this the tv movie is another telling of this the like theatrical movie is another telling of this i didn't and realize that that's actually kind of interesting that is fascinating yeah and that um, is that is the plot of mortal kombat x Man, man, you know what what vibes that gives me? It gives me, like, Gurren Lagann vibes, because there's a point where they get into space near the end, and the anti-spiral, the villain in the show at that point point is telling them, oh yeah, so there have been, like, attempts besides you to go against us and, you know, do whatever. Never works. Yeah, it it, it didn't work until the main characters came along, because, because that's how anime works. But I love Gurren Lagann with my heart and soul. <laughs> yeah, I think like Ryuki in the other iterations of like that story wasn't always Shinji, but there was something about the way events played out in the TV series that like it finally got through to the main character to the bad guy that like his sister doesn't want to live if it means that all these people have to die, so he just accepts it and he mm-hmm. decides to like die with her or not die, but like they they go to a different dimension to be together. Yeah, I thought that was a really, really cool setup. We haven't really seen anything like that in a long time. Yeah. It was a really heady episode, heady show. It was also really ambitious just to have that many writers. Yeah. It was it, way more ambitious because I seem to remember one of the behind the scenes was that they wanted to have 50 writers. Yeah, they did. That would not have worked at the time, I don't think. Um, because the, the show did have monsters as well. And... You know, like the whole, the idea, the reason there are so many writers is, and the reason they're fighting is because the bad guy is like, okay, you guys fight each other. Uh, The last writer living gets to have a wish granted. So they're, you know, fighting. Shinji doesn't want to fight. He doesn't really have a wish other than like, hey, let's not kill each other. That'd be cool. And eventually it gets down to like, you know, the final few writers and you're like, wait, Shinji and Ren, Kamen Rider Knight, are like really good friends at this point. Are they going to have to fight each other? Hmm. And they find a way around that. Again, spoilers, but basically Kamen Rider Ryuki dies um, and has a really long drawn out death. 
<laughs> that wasn't just me who thought that, right? It's like death. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it really like a, a Japanese death if it if they don't draw it out for the whole scene? <laughs> that is very true. He um so what's happening is like there's a ton of monsters attacking the city. There's like two riders left at this point and Shinji gets before he can transform, he gets he kind of gets stabbed in the back. Then he transforms, he goes through his final fight, and then at the end he's like, Oh, by the way, I'm dying. And he like <laughs> collapses against a car and gives this like this speech about how he's glad to have like met Kamen Rider Knight, Ren, who's a real you know, he was like the the bad boy, the the loner guy, and now he's like, Oh fuck, don't die on me. <laughs> and oh, then there's the ending. Which is uh, one of those kind of endings. You, yeah, we got we got we got a few of those in this era. <laughs> well, I was gonna say it's it's one of those reset button endings. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you either okay with it or you hate it. I was fairly okay with it, just because I think the last scene where you see Shinji and Ren together, even though they don't know each other anymore, they're staring at at each other like. And in my head, there's this implication that maybe they, like, there's, like, the faintest memory that, like, they do remember their time as friends and as writers. You're Ron! You're Ron! Uh, Ron! <laughs> yeah, I, I was already oh, that ending. Yeah, I liked it. Um, one of my favorite parts of the ending is uh, actually Olja's, like, death. That was really violent for a superhero TV show. Is that the one where he runs into the yep line of uh, police? Yeah, that's so, a very uh, Fist of Fury type of. Uh, so Brody, you, you haven't seen Ryuki, right? Uh, no. <laughs> um, so basically, this the... is a very interesting podcast for you to be on. By the way, I mean, <laughs> once we hit once we hit Kiva, and then after decade, I'll I'll just go off. You'll you'll see. Cool. Um, yeah. So like Oja's like death scene is uh his whole motivation is that there's a lawyer he wants to fight and that lawyer is Zolda, and the lawyer also has cancer. So at some point he dies. Um, he ends up fighting who he thinks is the lawyer. It turns out it's his assistant. Anyway, uh, he, he's basically going crazy because he's like, well, shoot, my one reason for being is dead now. So the police have tracked him down to this warehouse. He just comes out with a like a metal pipe and just starts running at the police and he is just gunned down from every single angle and you just hear like the pipe dropping in silence, like hitting the floor. And to me that was like Wow, they just did that. That was intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanna watch that show again. Sounds absolutely I think I've seen it three times. <laughs> I mean, it sounds absolutely insane. Like, wow. There are times, like, it, it gets you, man. It gets you. Yeah, it mm-hmm. does. It, it, we should do a follow-up podcast where we just, after Brody watches all of these shows. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, Bro- let's, uh... Brody time, coming Rider Yuki. Oh. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you, you activate the belt. Ding! Nope. Brody time! <laughs> Oh. Um, let's, no. uh, let's move on to Tomb Raider Fies. I'm, I'm very uh, excited to get to Fies because, like, I love that gimmick so much. 
just there's something so appealing about having a cell phone as the utility device that allows them to transform. It's let just... me get this out of the way. Let me get this out of the way. Okay. Um, let me make this joke. It's hilarious that the show whose heroes are themed around cell phones and communication has most of its conflict coming from people just not talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. Question. That's a thing so, I'm hearing about. I, I have, yeah, I heard about that too, and I was just like, that's so genius. You have, you have a show where the gimmick is cell phones, and it's about communication. Ah! I love yeah, it. Like, there are, are fights where, like, people will think, you know, another guy has turned evil because, like, you know, somebody is dead and they think the main character killed him. And at no point is he like, no, 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 that is not me. He's like, whatever, I guess I'll fight you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny. Um, yeah, so, the, the yeah. Comrade of Fies is famous for having just huge, like, plot holes. And just <laughs> a lot of conflicts can be solved with a, a phone call or just, you know, asking a certain question. Um, Saying something other than Oh my! <laughs> yeah, but um, I don't know. I, I guess because it was the first, or the, well, technically the second writer show that I saw, and the second Tokusatsu show that I saw in general, that a lot of the themes and stuff that it was talking about, I was surprised that a show like this would tackle. Mm-hmm. Like it's tackling like prejudice between you know humans and the Orphanox, and the Orphanox just wants to you know exist live their life especially like well this small group wants to just live among humans but a majority of humans see them as monsters and you know want them dead kind of thing and for me it was just it was just such a it hit me so hard just like the the fact that this show would you know i was expecting just you know hey you know bug monsters and you know bug dudes and spandex or whatever fighting each other blah, blah blah and then all of a sudden you get all this like these like huge questions and huge themes and stuff like that and i'm just i'm just like what is going on here i love this show <laughs> and yeah i watched it a few times and you get to see like yeah why is this person not just pick up your phone just what are you doing that's all but at the same time i just i don't know i i connected with these characters a lot and it was also the first time i saw a hero who didn't want to be a hero mm-hmm. and he, he he didn't want nothing to do with it it takes him a while like he he wants to do good but he can't be bothered <laughs> with a lot of stuff it's like i said my way of describing takumi to everyone is that it's a show where he just has to put up with everyone's drama <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much and i think a moment that every a lot of people point to when they talk about fives is the moment where he describes why he, why he's fighting, and he says it's because he doesn't have dreams, but he can protect the people who do have dreams. Mm-hmm. And I don't know for some reason that's always stuck out to me for this show. And I don't know if anybody see like my usernames are all based off of talk to me in some degree. Mm-hmm. Like this is just like it may not now I've seen a lot of shows. It may not be my favorite show, but it's the one that's. It's one of those shows that just had a huge impact on me. Yeah. Despite its flaws. Yeah. Also, uh, this is dope. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, in my case, it's the, the worst of the writer shows that I've seen. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but honestly, I 
I, I've come to realize, oh, it's just because <clears> it <throat> wasn't really my kind of show. Like that's I'm not really into the drama stuff. It's just mm. I, I I found that uh I think it was actually uh, Shuki who said this at one point. Um, uh, he he had said the first writer show you see is probably going to be the one that you kind of look for in other shows. In my case, it was Kabuto, so I always really enjoy shows that uh, can have over-the-top awesome action and also sense of humor. Hmm. That is... Oh, so I'm, I'm right there with you, because that was also my first show. But yeah, that's fascinating. Because, yeah. like, I've, see, I've seen Kiva, and I've seen everything from uh, Double On, and the only show out of that whole bunch I didn't like, that I, that I actually did not like, was Ghost. And so you scared me for a second there <laughs> for, for when I get to that one. Ghost is also very shaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but anyway, um, uh, Fies, um, I, I will admit it's just, like I said, not really my kind of show, but I do think it had a lot of good ideas, like the, the Orphanoc, the group of Orphanoc, and also the protagonist. I really like Takumi. It's like you said, he's a guy who really doesn't want to be involved, but he kind of grows to have a sense of purpose yeah and once you see like kind of figure out what he's been through you kind of you kind of see why he wanted to lay low for so long oh yeah but there's a reason he's a loner yeah (laughs) um but yeah it's one of those shows it's just it's got a special place in my heart and i know it's got a ton of flaws but it's just Mm -hmm. one of those shows that i can go back and watch at any point that's fair i mean i've got a friend who absolutely adores Common Rider Ghost and you know we talk about its flaws and we and at the, at the end of the day it's just he recognizes it but he still just loves it and yeah, you know, yeah. sometimes everybody has that show sometimes you just have that show it's you, you know it's, yeah. you're, you, you know that there is issues with it but it's just special for some reason yeah yeah like uh, mm-hmm. the Rider Love podcast one of the hosts is a huge fan of Fies she goes by the name Fies and yeah. She admits, yeah, the show is pretty garbage. <laughs> any, any, I feel like anything with like Japanese shows, it's like if you if you're an Amer- if you're an international fan calling it garbage, that's just you saying that you love it. <laughs> Sometimes uh, I've, I've said that about a lot of American shows. I mean, okay, yes, but you you, you, to, you know what you I'm know, talking every about. Every show on the CW, you know what I'm talking about, though, right? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Okay. But yeah, the, also I, I I love the designs of the show. Like both the writers and the Orphanox have amazing designs. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I was uh, when one of my friends who doesn't really follow writer was kind of getting into the designs. He was uh, saying how Fies could easily be adapted, like today. Like the designs yeah. still look good. Yeah, there oh, yeah. was a uh, Twitter thing that was going around like maybe a month ago, where people were you know oh. Show me a picture of a design, Tokus has a design, and I'll describe it. And oh, yeah. Inga Devil did one for Fies where he said somehow, even like the show at the time, it went with a modernistic look, a modern look for the common writer. And somehow it still looks modern today. Or it still looks like modern slash futuristic today. Like it could still work. Yeah. And it's still like it's like a modern classic, the way he described it. I thought that was mm. really cool. Even with the cell phones in mind. <laughs> I, man, that's the one well, I had. <laughs> I mean, even with the cell phones in mind, you gotta keep in mind what kind of cell phones they are compared to what we have today. 
Like, oh, boy. I mean, yeah, you got, they got I that mean even Shinkinger had the kind of flip-flop. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I, th- I feel like flip phones stayed around a lot longer in Japan. Oh, totally. Here, right? Totally. Like, my first my first Power Rangers Morpher was the, the Mystic Morpher. And I and to this day, I really want the Magi Ranger version just because it has the button that makes the top flip out. I was always yeah. disappointed in the toy that I had because it didn't do that. Because I, I, I like show accuracy in my transformation props. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I know what uh, it feels like to be disappointed. Speaking of, Blade! Oh, boy. <laughs> Zinger. So that was... Just like Kuga, that was another one where it was very, very hyped. Boy, was it a slow burn. It wasn't that hyped when I saw it. Maybe it's Mm. a a retroactive thing. When I saw it, people were always like, yeah, just get through the first eight hours of the show and it becomes good. (laughs) I was going to say, I think it was like 18 episodes. Yeah, something like that. Um, And then when when I got past that point, I was like, so when was it supposed to get better? <laughs> Turn up. I was just gonna say this is this like Blade is how I discovered Common Rider. Mm. Also, this um, is a special one for you. Not really, but oh, well, <laughs> I mean, outside of that, I I I like the designs and stuff. The store, the show. I mean, this it's if I had to rank them, it would be somewhere in, in the middle to like low mid shows or something like that. It's um, just above Fies for me. Damn. <laughs> That's cool. Um, but no, I... I <laughs> he sounded right. hurt. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm healing. Um, but no, uh, it was a, uh, on a message board. I saw someone's avatar, and they had like an animated gif of uh, Garen transforming. And it had the whole like, you know, card shield, and he runs through, and it becomes it. And I was like, what is that? I, I, I messaged the user. I was like, what, what is that from? And then they told me about it. And that's how I discovered Comrade. I had no idea what Comrade was at the time. Nice. I love yeah. hearing these stories. It's, re- it's really interesting seeing how people stumble into Tokusatsu. Yeah. Um, Blade was... I had a bit of trouble with it because... So when I initially decided to watch Rider, it was between Fies and Blade. I put on the first episode of Fies. I liked it a lot. Um... By the way, Fies, first episode. Uh, anyone else like get really confused when it turned out that uh, Kiba wasn't going to be the main character? Because like the first yeah. episode focused on him for like ninety percent of, sc- of the of the yeah. screen time. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I, I got really interested in it because it was like we've just followed this dude for like twenty minutes of episode one, and he is not the main character. He's actually the bad guy, or will be. Anywho, also when you watch the promos. For Fies and Ryuki. Oh, yeah. Mari. They only show Mari doing Tran- the transformation thing. Yeah. So it makes it look like she's the comic. She's Fies. And that was absolutely intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Boy, that would be really fr- that would that'd be really frowned upon these days. <laughs> oh, yeah. People would. Oof, I can understand why. Hmm. But um, yeah, uh, first episode of Blade, you said? Yeah, so like, you know, I had to choose between. Well, I didn't have to choose, but, you know, I watched Fies, and then I'm like, oh, let me watch this year's show that is currently ending. And there was something about the way that it was filmed. It gave me a headache. It, like, disoriented me, and I was like, okay, let me put this to the side for a bit. I finally go back to it, and I'm thinking, no, yeah, this is still weird. 
it takes a few episodes for like this weird experimental film style to go away and then it's just kind of boring for like the first quarter and and change um there's all these conflicts going on there's all this betrayal but you don't have time to a really understand why the betrayal matters and b really care because you don't know the characters very well so yeah they're being betrayed but it doesn't hurt you because the show starts in media res so you haven't been there to see the relationship between these two characters you haven't been there to like like once the betrayal happens like it doesn't really land the way it's supposed to because yeah to the main character he's being betrayed by his friend but to us it's like this guy's been on screen for like 10 minutes now you mention it that that actually kind of makes me realize why i wrote this bullet point down which was i don't dislike all of the characters but none of them really stand out as being likable to me like i can't remember really liking any of them i think that might be why because i think i'm in the same boat with blade it was i liked the writing more than the characters that carried the dialogue Hmm. Um, like I like the series of events. Um, oh yeah, like the the ideas that they were bringing up. Yeah, yeah. Like so, so the 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 fourth rider, he has this thing where he's you know his powers come from one of the bad guys. I mean they always do, but like this specific bad guy is like alive-ish or has some sort of sentience, and it's driving him to be evil. And I feel like this arc goes on for way way too long and he overcomes like that power way way too many times like two three times in a row it feels like he reaches a resolution of okay i'm not gonna be a bad guy anymore and the next episode he's a bad guy yeah i didn't really like him (sighs) and that was that was very disappointing because that's my favorite suit from the show it was really nice and i think blade is my favorite right it's like the color scheme yeah i I really like overall the design scheme is very nice Chalice is probably my favorite. Um, yeah. That just, is a pretty suit. Yeah, just so much theming going on with these designs where it's like insects, uh, cards, I think knights. Just yeah. all these different things going love, together and they actually blend together really well. And uh, I really like how they use the card gimmick as opposed to Ryuki. Mm-hmm. Ryuki is pretty straightforward. You know, you put the card you want to put in, you put it in there, boom, and then you get the sword or the whatever. I like that with uh, Blade. You can do a combination of uh, cards, and it goes to different parts of your body depending on what you like. Like mm-hmm. For example, when he does his rider kick, he does jumping, I think speed, and lightning or something like that. Yeah. And it all three of the cards, you know, the, the imprints go on, like, his chest and his feet and his sword or whatever, and he is able to do it. I always like that concept of it, like, that you can, depending on what cards you have, you can use the abilities any way you want to make different moves. There's mm-hmm. also, like, their weapons kind of display these points. I, I never really understood what those were yeah. about, but it kind of, they, it, yeah. it, it at least implied a sort of elaborate setup. Yeah. So are you telling um, me that they were actually playing a card game the whole time? This was a I card mean, game rider show? I mean, yeah. That, they, they were, it also had the same sort of beeping from Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh my yeah. god. Okay, so that I really appreciate that, because, you know, I've, I've seen one or two shows that use cards as the gimmick, and 
wasn't necessarily like watching one of those card game anime, but that's really cool. I'm that's. I think, um, yeah, Blade is of the three writers that use cards. Blade has come the closest, like matching an anime like card game show. Mm-hmm. It's like they're obviously not like you know, literally playing a card game, but like they do. Like Yas said, they, they use multiple cards to summon weapons or to combine powers to create attacks. And in Ryuki, it, it was just like. Let me slide this thing in and get a weapon. Cool, that's it. Yeah, and they also get their powers from basically sealing away monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they had a whole, like, you know, fitted deck, you know, you gotta seal all... Yeah. It was basically like Cardcaptor Sakura, Sakura. Kind of, right? Yeah, yeah like, um, so the main story with Blade is that there are 52 different life forms. Humans are one of them, and there's always a... What, what do they call it? The Battle Royale or something? Joe? Uh, it was the battle, battle fight. fight. Yeah, yeah. Battle oh, fight. And basically, the winner of the battle fight is the person who, the last person standing who was not sealed away, and then their descendants get to become the dominant species. So previously, humans won, and now there's a new fight, and blah blah blah. And you know that like that's the whole thing. It's it's you're trying to basically stop other species from survive from proliferating. Yeah, and I guess it's a. Uh... This is one of those uh, shows where, like, the big ending is one that I don't want to spoil for people because uh, it's such an interesting one, like with that whole setup, too. But Mm -hmm. I guess we don't have to worry about that because Zeo spoiled it. (laughs) That is true. By basically being a follow-up to that ending. That ending, though, is probably one of my favorites writers ever done just because it is a very... To me, it really symbolizes the, the Ishinomori's ideas of Ryder as the tragic hero who is by himself. Because the idea is, as long as there are at least two people who are left alive like in that fight, they are naturally always going to be drawn together to fight. And at the end, we have... At the end, we have, you know, the, the main Ryder and this other guy he's come to, you know, really like as a friend. And they can't ever be together because... The writer basically turns himself into a monster. I, I meant to say before, um, the entire first quarter of the Heisei era is very artsy, and this is definitely one of the examples. Yeah, it really is. Blade is also one of the shows that had a staff change. Um, oh, yeah. Two and openings. So about, two openings. Um, so basically, <clears throat> it, the writer on the first half had never done Tokusatsu before. He, he was only done J-dramas. And he says he left just because he wasn't really used to the pace of writing, because you do have to pop these scripts out relatively fast over the course of a year. And the secondary writer becomes the main writer. And I, I always thought it was really amusing that like the moment his first episode hits, it's like, oh, here are all these bad guys we've never mentioned before. <laughs> the uh, the trials. And... Um. I f- almost feel like the plot stops for like 10 episodes just to focus on this new writer's personal personal main characters. <laughs> His OCs. Yeah, pretty much. Retroact- I didn't realize this at the time, but retroactively, it's like a huge waste of like a really important tokusatsu actor in that the main bad guy during that arc is actually the dude who played uh, Ultra 7. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Mm. Crap, I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm. Also, um, I forgot Junichi Haruta. Haruta who, who, who that is he played, again? Uh, Dinah Black. 
Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, th- this show had a lot of tokusatsu people. Like, um, what's her face? The female lead from Garo, she's in it. Mikahiji? Yes, she's in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> cool. The only other thing I had to mention about Blade <laughs> is that um, throughout most of the show, the four writers are just kind of fighting each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I hated about Blade was that near the end, they finally start working together. The very next episode is about a shape-shifting monster that shapeshifts into the other writers to cause miscommunication. Yep. And make them fight again. Because why not? It's just like, wow, you pulled this near the end of the show. Blade yeah. is a mixed bag. Mm. Yeah, Blade is... Uh... It's one of those shows that you, I know people who really love the show. I know people who really hate the show. But for me, it's, just, it's it's kind of in the middle. And it's also one of those shows that I've only seen once. I started watching it again, but didn't get <laughs> didn't get past the the low, the first like I don't know fifteen episodes. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen the light yet. Let's move on to Colorado Speak- Hibiki. Speaking of right. light, <laughs> speaking of light, the opening theme of the show is Kageyaki. <laughs> so Hibiki. <laughs> it was alright. It was alright, whatever. Yeah, yeah. In all seriousness, I my notes that I wrote down for this is <laughs> love, love, love until halfway through the show when Kiriya breaks it. I... Okay, so for me, it was the first writer show I saw live. Um, and maybe that plays into it a little bit, but I was also at this weird point in my life where like having a show of such a strong lead character like Hibiki really meant a lot to me at the time. And I think because of that, even despite a lot of the wonky changes that happened, it remained my favorite Kamen Rider show all the way up until Build. And it's still like my second favorite show. So even despite those changes, I feel that there's there are a few episodes in the second half that are really... They matter and they are important, like the Zonky stuff. Um, Yeah. But yeah, leading up to that, it was such a unique show and it had so much going for it. It was it was basically meant to be the Amazon of the Heisei series, which is funny when you think about it now. Um, yeah, it was like nothing. It was as close to Kuga as we were going to get in the weirdness. And I think it took it a step further just because its first episode opens up with a musical and a lot of people were put off by that. The filming Dude. in those... Yeah, yeah, I know. Me too. No, like, when I was first discovering Common Rider, like, whenever I'd ask, or anybody would ask if people should watch Hibiki, everybody said no, and they yep. always referenced the fact that it was a musical in the beginning of the episode. Oh, I and know. I remember watching it, getting halfway through that mes- musical point, but like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to try Ryuki. And then, <laughs> and then a while later, like maybe a year or so later, I I was like, you know what, like because George always like hyped it up as like you, like this show, like don't listen to people, just watch it. So I finally sat down and watched it, and I binged that show. I absolutely loved it, and I don't know if I found out later or before that you know the whole writer change thing. Um, and it wasn't until maybe my second or third viewing where I could actually see what the changes were. Mm. But when I first watched it, like, it just, it, I don't know, it still works for me. And maybe it's because I was just still new to Common Rider, but 
like George said, it was just such a different show. It wasn't, you know, like he, he was already a common writer, but like in a way that he, he trained to become an Oni. Yeah. And there was this whole system, the Takeshi like organization or whatever, there was a system. They were all, it was almost like Green Lanterns almost. Like yeah. There was this whole core of people. With their own sectors you know, and everything. They had their yeah. own sectors and everyone, each one had like a, a protege that they trained uh, to one day, you know, become an Oni as well. And yeah, it had this whole like, you know, mentor student thing between Hibiki and Asumu. And I just love, out of most of the Kamen Rider shows that I've seen, this is the world that I love the most. Mm. Like I love, oh, definitely. I love the system that they have. I love the camaraderie that they all have at the Takeshi, like at that little um, restaurant that they have. Yeah. I love the camaraderie. Like you just see different comrades come and go, and they're all like, "Hey, how's it going? How's things going on your head?" It's all like, it feels very natural, and it feels okay. very homey, and it feels, it feels um, like a lived-in world. Yeah. yeah, and it's not something that's like you know. Most writer shows, like when they start, it's normal, and then boom, crash, bam, things happen. Main character becomes a common writer, and then the show goes on. Like this one took its time, and it introduced you to what the Makamo are, it, you know what what an oni is, how they're combating it. You know, the it, was, it felt like there was like a lore behind it that you didn't really know too much about, but you wanted to learn about, hmm. and. All the characters, like all the supporting characters, like I love them. Like it's, it's one of those shows where I can watch it and just like every character, aside from Kiria, Kiria, <laughs> <laughs> you love. And I know people say you know the, after episode thirty everything changes and it becomes like a worse show because it's trying to be traditional comrade again. But I mean, there's two episodes in that in that section that you know brought me to tears watching it, and it's just yeah. like such an emotional scene. So I don't know. It's like this, this is another show that just like has a special place. I think Hibiki. So Hibiki is from the same producer as Kuga. Um, it was a uh, what was this? Oh, blank, 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 blanking. Uh, Shigenori Takatera. So like he had done like Car Ranger and he did Kuga. He did a lot of really important shows. And I think with Hibiki, by that point, you know he was pretty much given free reign because Kuga was a huge success. So. With Hibiki, I think he does what Kuga tried to do and give you like this big cast of characters who are normal people, but weren't like the most interesting. But in Hibiki, they were all very interesting, and mm. I think he really knocked that out of the park. And like like Yas said, like there's this whole organization. There's a ton of writers. It's to the point where they made writer suits who like we never got to see untransformed, but they yeah. would just make them so we could see like a couple seconds of a battle they were having out in the like western japan or northern japan just to or like to there's like half a dozen writer suits that i think you only see in the second opening yeah that yeah. was <laughs> yeah like, um, i feel like out of all the comrade shows this is the one that makes me want to visit japan because <laughs> like every location of this show looked beautiful yeah that's also another thing like hibiki went the extra step it filmed out in the mountains and the woods to a degree that other shows didn't and mm -hmm. that is one of the reasons the producer was eventually eventually replaced he wasn't willing to compromise on a lot of these things and that probably would have been okay if 
Hibiki wasn't such a bomb. It did not sell toys whatsoever. Uh, it remains the lowest selling Heisei Rider series, probably the lowest selling Rider series in, at all. Mm. Um, but I really appreciate like the that he wanted to stick to that vision, and I yeah. think that makes that yeah like that first half is different, but I think it really does make it like super super special. And to me, that was yeah, like I I think it was you know you said it was like one of the lower selling shows lowest mm, that's that's unfortunate then because what i was gonna say is it felt like something that the franchise probably needed at that point because you know after something like ryuki where everyone is fighting and fives where everyone is fighting and blade uh this is more like a sentai because everyone's working together yeah, yeah. It, it's different and different in a refreshing kind of way like there were writer versus writer fights but when they happened first of all it was like probably less than five times but when they did happen it was meaningful like zanki and shuki like that Mm. that actually mattered it wasn't just like hey have these two cool suits fight each other because shuki was not a cool suit uh you had your own story about how meaningful the show was mine is much less than that because (laughs) um i watched this at the same time as flies and Mm. When Fize was very disappointing to me, Hibiki was uh, kind of an uplifting thing to watch afterwards. Until oh, you the put until against something like Hibiki, man. <laughs> <laughs> until the point where the same writer for Fize ended up writing for Hibiki. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like a oh. um, double feature. I actually did some research for uh, like a video on this, and oh yeah, was... yeah, I actually had a bullet point for that too because there, there are so many conflicting stories online that i can remember about the show's origins and you kind of put it all on the table yeah like so one of the big things people say is you know this show was never meant to be a common writer that's not true mm-hmm. like toei before like the 20 the 2005 show was decided they're like yeah let's not do common writer that's where that comes from but once they were like yeah a bunch of other studios are making new tokusatsu shows we don't want to get left behind let's do common writer that's when he mm-hmm. started to form so like really the only things that carried over were like the idea of an organization and another big uh, misconception is that the script was rewritten in, on the last day and people take that to think oh yeah like they changed major events on the last day of filming what it actually means is that there was one line of dialogue that Hibiki spoke to Asumu, and in the initial dialogue, it's Hibiki is speaking with a sort of annoyed tone, and he was his actor was like, no, he wouldn't speak to Asumu like this, let's change it. And that's what was changed. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, because um, I remember one of the reasons that I really disliked this uh, second half was that uh, with the original writer, Hibiki's actor would, like, always talk to him and kind of work out character dialogue and when Inoue was writing he couldn't be bothered to even talk to the actor <laughs> supposedly yeah. so the writers and the producers changed so the writer the secondary the producer on the second half was Shirakuda was like the main go-to dude for writer at that point and he was like you know what I like what Inoue is doing I'm gonna just let him do what he wants and didn't really bother to have other cast members participate yeah, that's about how I figured uh, Inoue's writing went. <laughs> and, uh, and that's where Kiria comes from. Mm, boy, one of the he... most hated characters in the comic writer. So, 
I guess just to fill Brody in, the idea with Hibiki is that it's about a kid who needs guidance in life. He's like 14, 15, and he meets Hibiki, who is this, a well-trained man. Like, he's he's a really good, like, a mentor. And a lot Basically of the show... Basically a father figure. Yeah. A lot of the show is about Asumu realizing, hey, I kind of want to be like this guy when I grow up. I want to be a student. And then the second half introduces this total douchebag of a character who's like, hey, let me be your student because I deserve it. And he's just... He's a rich kid. He's a rich kid with daddy issues. Yeah, it reminds me of... Oh, well, not the rich kid with daddy issues, but remind, up until then, you were reminding me of Star Ninja from the Ninja, who just shows up randomly like, I want to be the last ninja. Yeah, yeah but like, that was different. Star Ninja is... He's endearing. He's funny. Kiria <laughs> yes. is a douche bag. Like I was about his, to say, that's that's the key difference is that I like Star Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> he was one so of like, just he, a, he was one of the few good things that I that I liked about <laughs> Ninja. But so like, I guess just to put it in perspective, like the very first thing you see with Kiria, Asumu is riding his bike to school. Kiria rides up. He's like, I bet I could beat you, and he just starts racing him. And Asumu's like, I don't want to race. And this continues for, like, the next five minutes on their day of school. Yeah, like, there's a, the one scene that I always thought of where, like, I think Asumu had to, like, mop the floors in the school hallway. And then Kiria just comes in, just pushing his mop along faster. <laughs> as, as just Asumu just kind of stands there watching. That That's pretty funny. Like, like that, that was the point where I was like, what is the point of this character? And he would think maybe like, okay, he has, what, 20-something episodes to grow as a character. Maybe by the time the series ends, he'll change. Nah, he's still a, a douchebag by the by that last episode. That is mm. unfortunate. And, and you and, would think, like, 14 years later when he comes back to Gia, <laughs> he would maybe change a little bit, but no. <laughs> he's still, still Gia. Oh, boy. Yeah. Another thing that kind of bothered me about the ending was, you know, it's... Like you were saying, the whole point of the show is Asumu wanting to kind of follow his dreams, be like Hibiki. And then by the end, like the final episode is kind of this epilogue. And it turns out Asumu just kind of quit following his dreams and became a doctor. Yep, it's out of nowhere. Or it was just like, like, oh, that's that's the message of the show, huh? Follow your dreams unless it doesn't work out. Pretty much. Like he, what was it? He met oh. a, a sick little girl, right? And that inspired him to want to be a doctor. Hmm. Which... Is okay, but it came in the last two or three episodes of a forty-eight episode show. It needs more build-up yeah. if you want it to be meaningful. Like, yeah. like the, the circumstances of that finale, uh, kind of. It's why I think that rumor kind of stood for a while that the last episode was rewritten at the last second. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It was because it's such a whiplash. But I feel like, it, yeah, if it was written, if it was introduced earlier. That whole theme would have made a whole bunch of sense because I never, I never got the sense really that he wanted to be a oni. Not until Kiria kind of instigated this competition. Yeah, like it always seemed like he just wanted guidance on how to be confident. Yeah, and how to just to be a better person. And yeah, so him wanting to be a doctor, like if we had seen that before, it would have made total sense. But mm. I don't know. It, yeah, and it's weird because yeah, like throughout the first half, a lot of his, you know, his dreams are like he wants to be in the brass band or whatever. He wants to be a musician, and then it's like, nah, I'm gonna be a doctor. Yeah, just 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 cause. 
Really, wow. I'm, I'm slightly disappointed that X8 didn't at one point m- mention uh, Dr. Adachi or something. <laughs> that would have been... Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Just a name drop. Did, didn't even have to bring back the actor. But anyway. Um, yes, they could have. Didn't, didn't he quit recently? Yeah, yeah, he quit acting, unfortunately. Which is... I think Yas kind of hates that because like, his actor turned out to be really, really good with action. Yeah, if you if you follow him on uh, Twitter, like he used to post a bunch of videos of him training and doing like little like short films of him doing a bunch of martial arts, and he was freaking good. And I was excited to see him in that in that um decorating Dec- Dec- ten years after movie. Oh yeah, he was a but he didn't do anything. Yeah, huh? yeah, he didn't do much. Um, as far as like action goes, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, that that really, that I I I, I, w- I would have loved to see him, like, get into the action scene, action movie scene. It would have been really cool. Mm. Yeah. And we already know he's a good actor. Yeah, because he killed it in Ibiki. So it would he could have been great. He, I don't know. You do what you got to do, man. <laughs> and I think it's a bit of a shame. We'll probably, even though it's been like what almost. 15 years later we'll probably never get a show like that again just because i think that really burned everybody that was involved with it the show bombed the producer for as influential as he was has never worked with toei since then and Mm -hmm. And unfortunately the the writer for that show went on to write wizard which um (laughs) had a lot of wasted potential it was not a good show no Mm -hmm. um yeah so kabuto Kabuto, let's move on to Kabuto. Fun fact My first before, writer we, show. Before, before we get into it, well, as we get into it. So y- y'all know how I said that Kabut- that Hibiki was the lowest selling writer show ever? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For as high tech and as polished as the toys and suits in Kabuto look, it only just barely, barely sold better than Hibiki. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Had a lot of random gimmicky toys. The Zectomizer. I wanted all of it. It looks so cool. Like that show, aesthetically, is beautiful. Like that's another one that I think they could easily adapt today. Like, yeah, like that suit. Those, like all, of, I love pretty much every suit in that show. And being the first exposure to Kamen Rider for me, that one was the one where I was like, okay, so this is how a rider belt works. This is how, like his rider kick. I didn't know what a rider kick oh. was, and then I saw that, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, so rider kicks are just kind of spin kicks okay cool mm. so, so that's a rider kick <laughs> and then and then and then i watch fives that he's jumping in the air and forming a cone over a dude and just freaking obliterating <laughs> them I'm like i i don't know what the rider kick is. <laughs> <laughs> what is rider kick i feel like the production note that they got for this show when they were before they made it was make something cool <laughs> i was about to say make it look awesome yeah like story-wise it's very shaky, but aesthetically, that show looks so good. <laughs> it's a very pretty that, show. That's definitely, time, yeah. when I think of Kabuto, the first thing that comes to mind is style. Yeah. You know, I saw a post Just, online recently that there was, like, Sony PlayStation help or whatever from overseas, and they were posting, like, Kamen Rider yeah, references, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, they, like, posting uh, Kamen Rider uh, Kabuto and being, like, um, my grandmother always says, 
only only ask us questions between 9 a.m. and whatever. I'm just like, yeah, sure? yeah I, I saw this post recently wow. online. Whoever runs that account really likes Tokusatsu. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, uh, but I do, I do, I do <laughs> yeah. adore. I, I, I adore Kabuto's design personally. It's um, it's it's it it, it just oozes common rider like it's got the bug motif yeah. going on and the armor is not too bulky or anything like i don't know it's just a slick design if i had watched any other show before Kabuto, i would have never gotten that it was a bug themed show mm-hmm. the fact that he has a freaking huge like horn horn like yeah it's like okay that's a bug <laughs> like if you i mean fives i can't tell that's really a bug hibiki is definitely not a bug like it's kind of hard to tell for a lot of shows before that. I think X Eight is the most bug like of all the riders. (laughs) You get out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I remember when like leaks of the toys were first coming out. I saw Kabuto Mm -hmm. with like this giant horn, and I'm like, that's dumb looking. There's no way that's real. That's a fake. (laughs) I was wrong. (laughs) Funny enough, that's what I thought about X Eight. There's no way that's real. I saw it. I it I don't even know. I didn't know what to think. I was I was in Japan at the time when it leaked, and I saw it on my phone. And when I went to Toei Hero World, there was a kid who was excited because I was carrying around the Ghost Driver at the time. And so I, I pulled out a phone and showed him the picture, and I was like, "Atarashi Kamen Rider, the new Kamen Rider." Uh, just trying to bond with children because you know I watch children's shows, and that's what I get enjoyment out of. That's fine. But that was it was it was it was, it was, a, it was touching. The the dad was impressed. I think that's cool. Kids kids love yeah. me. I don't know what I what to say. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah Kabuto this... was like, I like yeah said it's a really pretty show. It's not the best written show. I think the first few mm. episodes are really good. I, up until when Yaguruma uh, the bee um, starts to like kind of go off the rails. I think it's a good show. And then it just, like, it really starts moving all over the place. And it's one of those shows that suffers from having too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, mm. Basically, the head writer, Shoji Yonemura, he wrote a lot of the main episodes. Toshiki Inoue is, like, he wrote a lot of the episodes that revolved around the secondary writers. So, like, if you weren't Kabuto or Gatak, you were probably written by Inoue. So a lot of their episodes are very divorced from the main plot. That's why, mm. like, you have like Sasword over there being weird, trying to be like Kagami's best friend, and <laughs> when he dies, it's it's tragic. And then the next episode is like, oh, now back to the plot. Yeah, yeah, that like, that always seemed like nobody knew each other. It did, and there were a ton of writers in that show. It felt yeah. the opposite of Hibiki. <laughs> Everybody was family in Hibiki. But this one, like, I don't know. It felt like they barely interacted. And when they did, it was... Back to the status quo. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Pretty much. It, like, uh, it was stylish. It was just not not the best show to watch outside of those early episodes for me. Like, Tendo is a cool character until you dig deeper into like his motivations and you're just like i don't really know what you are (laughs) there's a there's a lot that's not really well explained like why he has such a nice house but is never seen working Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a giant house for for japan 
And also the whole red boots thing or whatever the crap that was. Oh yeah, that was a thing for an episode or two. <laughs> Just like the weapon that he uses once. The Zuckmizer. Yeah. Yep. That that was I th- so what yeah exactly right exactly <laughs> so basically there's an episode where there's a fight go- going on Kabuto walks in he has a Zectomizer which is like this little a handheld thing with five ports and it shoots out miniature versions of the Zectors to like go attack enemies it's never seen again you never find out where he got it how he got it it's oh. weird yeah it's frustrating I would say like as far as power ups go in Common Rider I think Kabuto is one of my favorites I love Hyper Kabuto. Oh, yeah. Like, it breaks everything, but, like, it time it's, travels and all that crap, but I don't know. It's, it's, I love the design. I love that he can fly and all that. So, I don't know. It's really cool. I find Kabuto's use Even, of the preform fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The uh, mass forms. Those were, again, like, back when, like, information was first coming out about the show. I remember thinking, this is going to be weird. How are they going to integrate these, these two forms? Because, one, it's going to take a long time to transform. Two, that's like two different suits. So mm-hmm. what's going to happen? And then, yeah, uh, eventually it's like, yeah, we're just not going to use the mass forms as much. We're going to use them for specific purposes. It's just... I didn't like, like that Kabuto. Like, at first, in the first episode, he says, I think uh, Kagami's like, you can, you know, transform into, you know, you can cast off or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I know. I, this... I've, I've had a... I've known this spell for a long time. I'm just testing to see how far I can go with this. Yeah, that was so... That was cool. And those are like... It is weird how like... The main... The the rider forms are all very sleek and polished, like you said. But the mass forms are supposed to be very bulky and industrial. But they still look really, really well. Well put put together. Yeah. (laughs) Yo, the Kabuto movie. um, Oh. (laughs) Oh, right. One question. Uh-huh. God bless America. Why? <laughs> God, I, f- I forgot about that until like a couple of days ago. So, Brody, uh, yeah, assuming you haven't seen this, there's a very piv- pivotal scene in the Caputo <laughs> movie. And for some reason, they start playing an instrumental version of God bless America. Well, yeah. God bless that movie. <laughs> it, God was called, it is called Godspeed Love. So. <laughs> It's fitting. It's fitting, isn't it? Um, it's, boy, it's great that I'm here for anyone who hasn't seen this yet and just wants to listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's all right. Yeah. We're, almost th- we're almost there. We're almost, we're almost uh, to the point where we split this into two episodes. <laughs> I don't know if we... Uh, like, we'll hey, Brody, thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time. <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> this has been a fantastic hour. Or two hours. <laughs> two, two hours. hours. Almost two hours. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, no, uh, we're only halfway through. Not even halfway. So yet. there's all. So we talked. We talked about. Um, we talked about Hibiki, the lowest performing show, the one that's uh, slightly above that. Kabuto. Um, going back down. Deno. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, no. Deno is <laughs> everywhere. <back> to, <laughs> uh, so yeah, with Deno, it's not the like highest performing show, but. It wasn't even the highest performing show at the time, but it was the first show that was like a unqualified success in like three or four years. And it wasn't just that it was a success. It was that it was a success in areas you didn't typically see for writers. So a lot of DVDs and mainstream merchandise, aside from the toys for kids, were were doing really well. So much music. 
so much music so much everything like it, i it's weird to think you know here in 2019 but like it for a long time it was felt like it was the show that would never end the climax never ends it, yeah it kept coming back whether it was uh in a movie or in another movie or in a uh, another movie <laughs> another movie crossover th- episode or, or movie. three movies released or in the span of two in... months. Oh my god! It was so. Uh, Deno was a very interesting show because I remember there's one scene in it where Ryotaro was possessed by Ryotaros, the purple Imogen, and he's like spinning the sky around, not transformed at all. And I'm just thinking, this is very cartoony. This is nothing like <laughs> like what I've seen in Rider before. At that time, I hadn't seen every Rider show, but like. It was just like, this is nothing like even Kabuto, like, last year. And it was very interesting to see people not like Deno at all in the English fandom. Yeah, it was, it was, it kind of had, like, this whiplash effect. Um, and it's one of those shows that, because, I mean, Kabuto, like, Tendo was such a strong, like, like, I don't know how to explain it, but he was just, like, such a hero. But, like, on God mode, almost like he was, yeah. he was, he was, and he was overconfident. Like polar opposite here, polar opposite. Then you get to Ryotaro, and he is like the most like the actual timid person ever. From the press conference, the actual description they used is the unluckiest writer ever, and that's <laughs> so true. Like yeah, he, like you said, he, he's timid, he's shy, he's he's polite, he's nice, he's, he's like the dude you would want to protect, but he's supposed to be the main hero. <laughs> like he like I will always remember the scene in the first episode where he gets uh jumped in an alley. Oh yeah. And they take his wallet and it's they open it up and they see his address and they're like, What's this? And he's like, Well, I figure you guys are gonna take the money and throw the wallet anyway. I might as well, I figured this happened so many times I might as well get it returned <laughs> to me. And I was like, Wow, this yeah. is a totally different character. Um, yeah, the um, like the first fight scene is he transforms into not his main form, but something called a platform. Haha, <laughs> train platform. Hey. Um, it's wow. basically him. You just got that? I didn't. I just got that. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. I love when theming just works out, and you literally have a word that has form in it. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Um, it, it's it actually works really well because when he transforms into his other forms, like little trains come in and like land on his head it's uh, a literal platform uh, oh um, my god so yeah you know what god forget god bless america <laughs> god bless common rider <laughs> power tranger power tranger oh, <laughs> i love the direction this has gone but yeah platform is like the first time you transform with deno someone he someone had else had to make him transform <laughs> Not only that, but with Deno, he usually has like he has these four Imagen friends, which are like demons who possess him and give him power, and each one grants him a different form. But the first time he transforms, it's just him solo. He has no power whatsoever, and he's like running away from the monster with like a broom in hand, trying to swat it away at times. And yeah, like yeah. compared to Kabuto one year ago, it's like wow, we've uh, we've come in a totally different direction. Yeah, I, I, 
I really appreciate variety, so seeing how the franchise kind of jumped from one thing to another was really interesting to see. Mm. Kind of looking in retrospect. I What I really liked is it's one of those shows that gave you... It was a comedy-heavy show, but that worked in its favor because you would get to laugh with these characters and really, like, they become endearing. But then they'd have mm. these moments of drama where, like, you feel so bad for them. One of my... Oh, yeah favorite scenes probably out of common writer in general one of my favorite scenes is much later on in the show ryotaro realizes that the imagine who have become his friends by this point they're going to start to disappear if he keeps using them and a monster attacks and momotaros who is like this very hot-headed warrior is like why aren't you going to fight them why aren't you transforming and ryotaro just like like he tucks his face into his knees he's, he starts to cry he's like because I don't want to lose you guys. And mm. the delivery on that is like, ah, that's when I start to tear up. By so, the way, this is uh, starring uh, Takeru Sato. Sato. So, you yeah, I heard of there. Like, <laughs> yeah, acting is like way up there. It is on point. Isn't there a scene like maybe in the same episode where he's fighting... Because he, he eventually gets a form where he, like, he fights as himself. Yeah, it's like... Instead yeah. of being possessed. Yeah, it's like That's if platform scene. was actually worthwhile. Right. Um, it's, it's, but he's still getting like beat up and he's not transformed. He's not using any of the other magic. And they're like telling him, let us help you. And he doesn't want them to help because, again, they're going to they're gonna die. I think that's how that happened. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen that show. So the sword that he uses with his final form basically is just like the Imagine talking to him, telling him what to do. Yeah, pretty much. I have seen... So they can still help him in some way. Yeah, I've seen the the Henshin recently, and I thought that was just a really cool transformation. And then it goes on a while, and I'm just like, this is really extra. (laughs) It's Yeah, it's intense. Um... And then there are things that are not so great, like, like uh, y'all remember Kidia? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you what know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, this is his better role. This is his yeah. better role, yeah. Um, his story though is not very good, just because it's a little all over the place. Deno, I think, was a victim of its own success at times because there are clearly setups for plot points that are going to be delivered on that are just never delivered on. Like with Yuto, Sakura Yuto, the, the guy who Kiria's actor plays, is from the future, right? From the no. past. From the past, from yes. The past. Yeah, from the past. And then we see like the modern day version of himself, who we never really see without a hat obscuring his face. And like you always think that's going to go somewhere, like he's going to become an important character. He just never does. Isn't he the boyfriend of Ryotaro's sister. Sister, yeah. Which, later on, you find out that Ryotaro, that Hana, the, like, female lead, is actually his his niece. Oh, right. And something that always bugged me about that is the main villain is named Kai. He doesn't come in until, like, the last 15-ish episodes. When we find out that Hana is his niece, we find out by him, like, reaching his hand into Ryotaro's sister... And, like, there's this, like, look of shock on his face. 
yeah i know it's weird there's this look of shock on his face like it's not just that he knows han is, is his niece like there's something really devastating to him about that fact and we never find out why hmm i remember um because this is the first show that i watched from beginning to end as it aired and i remember halfway through the show loving the show and loving to i had loved going on to message boards and everybody was sort of predicting how this is going to go or how this is going to turn out and everybody had their theories and stuff and it was the first time i kind of got into like the fan discussion of like what's going to happen from episode to episode and yeah going through the show it was it was frustrating because you would you would remember things and you're like oh they're gonna they're gonna come back to it at the end of the show It'll, it all it all makes sense. Yeah, I trust them. And then, uh, no, you haven't then, trusted anyone then, since two thousand seven. Nah, man, it's it's been a long life. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, despite that, I don't know. I I I love watching the show. It's it's just a fun comedy show, and like you said, enduring characters. I love. I actually liked the ending a lot. Hmm. Like how. Oh yeah, like the uh, the one of my favorite things about Deno was uh, you were talking about the emotional stuff they went through. One of the last things they do is just this big invasion of monsters that involves each of the Imagine that worked with Ryotoro just basically sacrificing themselves for him. Yep, yeah, just like rushing into battle, and they all get their own moment. Yeah, just like the show knew how impactful it was being it just kind of yeah. gave everyone a last raw then comedy ending oops yeah. <laughs> that was that was something i was okay with yeah like it was it was something where like I, I was brought to tears and then when they revealed the the comedy twist to it i was just like i'm smiling still teared up you goofballs <laughs> like yeah. yeah i so the secondary writer uh, yuto he has his own imagine who's kind of very what's almost motherly like he he's butler he smothers him a lot like he's like he's like oh are you taking care of yourself here's some food here's some candy how can i help you you know i don't like mushrooms yeah he's always annoyed by him but like when you think he dies like you see yuto by himself on the train and then i I forget the exact word yeah eating mushrooms he's like you idiot and then like deneb shows up he's like oh you're eating them and like he hugs him and like ah oh, there's something like to me that was like a really good character arc there because yeah. usually you see him like like clotheslining him he would take him down to the floor but here yeah, he's always like body slamming each other <laughs> here like he runs at him and he hugs him and it's like oh this is this is wholesome as heck yeah Deno's popular for a reason i like it it's a good show and it's got some it's... strong character yeah a ton of movies, yeah. by the way, like a ton of movies. Mm, um, a ton of them. Yeah, but yeah it was also I, it was also like one of the rare crossovers. Uh, yeah, like, because it had a crossover with the next show on the list. But before we get to that, though, just like something people don't realize these days, especially as newer fans, is back in that first half of Heisei Writer, Writer was very very self contained. You would see the writer on show for one year, and then you had no expectation of them ever coming back. It almost yeah. felt like you got the complaint that it didn't really feel like a cohesive franchise just because it was like Sentai. It was like like 
new writer, new writer, new writer, totally different from what came before. And like you just never saw them again. So when Kiva and Deno teamed up, it was a huge, huge, huge deal. Yeah. Like so much so that the movie was originally meant to be direct to video. And they're like, yeah, let's just do it as a movie. Hmm. Yeah, it was I... um, up until then, like. The only thing we had seen in Heisei was the... Ryuki versus Agito. Yeah, Ryuki versus Agito. And they didn't even... I mean, they didn't get the actor back for Agito or anything like that. So, you yeah, can... seeing that the fact that Ryoto's <laughs> actor and Kiba's actor were actually interacting, mm-hmm. like, but that I was, was a huge deal. I was going to say, you can tell it's a very uh, prototype crossover because... There was actually very little crossover. Yeah, the, apart yeah, from that's true. the the scene where they're interacting and they don't know that each other is a writer, and then a scene where they don't really know the other's identity. I remember rewinding the part where they do the double writer kick so many times because, I was like, this doesn't happen. This is something that doesn't happen. I don't like Kiva, but this is really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't you oh, tell man. us why you don't like Kiva? Is it time for Kiva? <laughs> is it, is it yeah, time for Kiva? Oh, Actually, we have to end the episode here, so we'll oh, be back. Well, it's, it's been great sitting with you guys and learning so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are, you, are you getting sleepy? Because it's time to wake up! Oh, wait, we're, wake cutting up. That, we're just cutting that right out. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking the chain. By the way, first off, Amazing music in this show. Oh, absolutely! That's really? one thing I'll give. I'll give for the show. Really amazing music. music, and I love the design of Kiva. It's beautiful. Definitely. It's probably one of my favorite suits. Yeah, it's a, I, probably my first or second. It, it's really up there with Hibiki's like visuals. Yeah, and and that's a beautiful suit. In in my notes, I basically just wrote for Kiva Gothic Deno. Gothic Deno. Gothic Deno. Yeah, like so. You know, Deno had his four demon buddies. Oh, right. They tried to do that again with Kiva. <laughs> and it like a little bit more serious. No, it was not quite the same because, like, one, they're not as as present, and two, their personalities just like yeah. I remember one they of don't them. Talk you a know, lot. like yeah, one of them is very memorable, mm. and that's about it. Yeah, because he actually got used. Well, actually, you know what? I remember two of them for particularly well. Um, because one of them was literally Frankenstein. Yep. So, or Frankenstein's monster, and, if we want to be like that. And one was I. I don't remember anything about him other than he was the kid. The ki- oh, Fishy the, kid. the sea monster. The the thing from the the monster Black from Lagoon? the lagoon. Yeah. Fishman. Fishman. I think that's uh, what got, the, the official name is. We have Wolfman, uh, Artificial Man, and Fishman. I, I really like the weapons they become, and I like cool the, idea the monster for characters suits. too. They just weren't as present as they needed to be. I think. Yeah, like when I was watching, I was like, "You occasionally got these uh, shots of them in the castle, like present day. They were all dressed up in nice suits, and it's like, okay, I'm looking forward to when they actually do stuff." And they never do stuff, and... except for <laughs> Garudu, Jiro, the, the wolf dude. He does and then a lot. He's kind of a dick. Oh yeah, totally. Well, I mean, when, when it comes to the present day stuff, they basically just hang out in a castle until they're summoned into battle, and that's really all you get from them. Apart well, from later on, he does stuff. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think there's a point where 
they find Wataru in the castle. Yeah. And do something, and I don't remember them doing much in present day. I know day. they sent him to the past. Yep. And that's the thing about this show, is that it's split between two time periods. Mm-hmm. 2008 and 1988? Or 86? 88 makes sense, because yeah, it's uh, an even, it number. even number. I think it was, I think it was 86. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we had two different timelines, and Two different sets of characters. Yeah. I had some very particular thoughts about how they did the storytelling early on because, you know, this was my first uh, Heisei Phase 1 show. Um, I had been coming from, you know, the last show I had watched was Double. And so, mm-hmm. you, you know, they're, they're a bit different. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, a bit. just a little. Um, so, like, the way that they handled, uh, switching time periods, I could tell that they were switching time periods, and that it was, and I was trying to figure out where the overlap was early on, and I, because I just kind of felt a little lost, like, everything happening in the past was random, and everything happening in the present had a common rider that, that would eventually show up. Um, and I mean, granted, I did know who the common rider was, because they show it very, you know, you're not gonna not know who the common rider is, but regardless, mm-hmm. my wording is bad. Um, but... I was just kind of lost pretty early on trying to get my bearings. You know, there's a lot of times I'll start a new show and I'll just be like, what's going on? You're dropping me in. Um, but with this one, I don't know. I, I, I knew that it would take some time. Sometimes it takes a show a good 10 or so episodes to really start picking up. Once I started seeing the overlap, it was... Uh, I, I really appreciated it and I appreciated what they were doing uh, in telling sort of what happened before that led to the present day right um i mean i i could tell that the monsters that they were fighting were also in the past in those episodes but everything else i was kind of a, a bit lost on i did, but <laughs> i gotta say otoya was hilarious <laughs> my favorite all the, I all think the, the actor his actor got so much better as that show went on because yeah. boy he was not good in the early episodes yeah he really hammed it up though oh yeah you know, speaking on early episodes, I I had this specific memory of just watching episode one, and I think I just I was just kind of checking out a show to see what it was like, and I just kind of stepped away from it. And whenever I would tell people about what I thought of episode one, I thought, oh yeah, Kiva is this character who wears this surgical mask, and he thinks he's allergic to the world, <laughs> and I thought that was the whole character. <laughs> And then it turns out, oh, that's not at all what his deal is. Yeah, I was a bit confused at the beginning as well. I And I was just like, oh, okay, you know, they reveal it slowly as things go on, but it's like, okay, I get it now. Kind of a weird setup. And, and just like Kabuto, it's like, how's he funding this house? Right. He's li- well, People literally think the house is haunted because they don't know that someone lives there. You know what I, oh, you know what I was confused about for the longest time was just, oh, shoot. Oh man, that girl. What was her name? Who would take care She's of it? She's a cat. Yeah. Also, great. What up with that? Great, first of all, great pun with her name because she's a cat. Like, be quiet, and he doesn't talk. Um, but anyway, she confused me for such a long time because I have no idea what their relationship is. And then, <laughs> and then things happen later on with romantic subplots, and I start to get it. Kind of. Kind of. I still yeah. don't quite know where she came from, but you know. Yeah, I I don't know. This this show 
It has a, a, so many good ideas, but I feel like I don't really agree with the way those ideas were written. Yeah, I feel, yeah I, this has one of the worst writing for me. Mm. Like, I really enjoy the fact that this is a writer show with an artist, technically, because he plays music. Right. Mm-hmm. And th- they follow that up by having him become friends with this very outgoing rock guy. Oh, yeah. He becomes part of a band, and I think that's a really cool sort of idea that would be uh, like a good that seems like it would be a good first episode is just establishing that introducing them and just having that be the show this is first friend <laughs> yeah like just have that be the show him and a rock that's a really band. interesting idea though i think i think it would have been a lot different than what than the show that they were trying to make but i think that would that you make a valid point that that was a really big part of the show um it would create an interesting contrast because his father always played the violin, and he wants to play the violin, but, like, imagine that contrast of him being in a rock band in the mm, present day. Right. Although, I don't know. I, th- I think it's, it would have been interesting. I still think it would have been a pretty different show. I think that, that ha- spending so long setting up the way they did um, made it a really nice payoff when he made this friend and got into doing something besides just straight up playing the violin. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. Setting it yeah, up. Yeah, setting it up. And, um... You know, it, I, I find it interesting that you guys uh, don't necessarily like the writing that much because I was, I was binging it over the winter and I was just super into it, and I was like, I was like sending reactions in a group chat, and I'm just, I'm just like, what? They didn't, and yeah, <laughs> I, I remember being, being just like that towards the like second half of the second show, half of the show was like good. sharing with people things about like Saga is actually one of my favorite villain writers. Yeah. Like, I, I love that his finisher is somehow just a noose. Oh, right. Oh, that is what it is. Just uh, nice and dark. <laughs> uh, maybe, it, maybe it's different when you binge it. Maybe. Uh, that was my... Th- I don't know, because I, I watched it week to week. Yeah. And it was just so... It got more and more frustrating as it went along. And I, like... Oh, yeah. Like the whole, think... like, love triangle between... I loved that. What was it? What was it? Uh, oh, um... Jiro? Wataru, yeah, or no, shoot, the Feist chick and Queen, someone else, and yeah. uh, his brother, and his brother, right? See, this is the last show Inoue wrote, and it shows because it's like all his, all of like his characteristics. <laughs> I, I was going to say that uh, maybe your guy's reaction is different because you have seen Inoue before. So you're just like, oh, here we go again. It's like that meme that's going around right now. See, for me, I liked Agito. I liked Fize. Fize, I know, is not a great show, but I really liked it. Kiva was like the first time I saw a show of his, and I was like, eh, this isn't very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Though I did really like the a lot of the stuff in the end game, like especially the cliff, the almost cliffhanger of the penultimate episode, which is Wataru <laughs> sort of finally ascending to the throne and just accepting that he has to be a king oh, right. and it is such a well done scene it's very dramatic you see the the very shy reserved character finally become this imposing sort of king and you're like oh this is awesome where is this gonna go and i, and I was sad for him at that point though because like all of the stuff that led up to it with like yeah. his brother um Wait, what? Shoot, what was the plot twist? That his brother was the no. It was his, Bishop. His it was Bishop who killed uh, Queen. 
Bishop. Well, which queen? His mother or like? Oh, the... um, no, his girlfriend. Oh my god. Yeah, his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. I was cause, um, man, that watching that whole relationship develop was so heartwarming. I was so happy for Wataru for so long, because I'm just like, man, good, so good on you. You know, you're so shy and reserved, and you found someone perfect for you. Admittedly, when uh, when it got to that point, I was familiar with this character's personality and luck. So as soon as they started introducing a love story, I was like, no, 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 I know where this is going. Well, he, well going. same. Honest, it's, honestly, it's gonna, same. It's going to end with him crying in the bathtub. I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, like, but I didn't know how they were going to do it. I was just like, oh, they're setting up this really happy thing. Something is going to go horribly wrong. And when they revealed that she was queen, I was just like, oh, no, why did it all have to be connected? <laughs> but uh, it makes for a really We've good story. <laughs> I think it makes for a really good um, story. I wasn't a huge fan of how the relationship changed between Yuri, Otoya, and Maya. Because oh, we spent yeah. such a long time with Otoya pining after Yuri. And then, boom. Here's Maya. Let me let me, and it's frustrating because like he goes through so much to finally have her accept him, mm-hmm. and like, you know she, you get the feeling like she, you know she's actually in love with him, and she she wants to be with him now. Yeah. And then boom, here's a, here's a new character. Actually, I want to go be with her instead, despite the. And then class. she becomes a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> in a way, man, what is wrong with you in endings? <laughs> I so stupid. That frustrated me more than like any other thing in that oh, yeah. show i think just because it really like people say the ending of ryuki invalidates the show no like there's hints of stuff that like, maybe they do remember but this invalidates like half of the show that we just went through and it's so frustrating well i mean if you think about it it's like i w- i you know i was going through the show just assuming that otoya would end up with yuri and i was just like well that would mean that these two are siblings and that doesn't why, why would that be a thing? You know, what's the narrative there? And it's like, we would already know it at this point, so what are they waiting to reveal that for? Um, so I, I still suspected that something was up, and I didn't know how he became Kiva. And, you know, Kiva's kind of a curse. Because, like, you know, wherever yeah. he goes, he hears that violin ringing. He, there's an episode where he's or two where he's trying to just not be Kiva for a while, and he just can't. And I, I don't know. Like, it was frustrating, but I feel like it was supposed to be frustrating. I feel like it's good I, that it came across. I feel like it came so out of left field. It was maybe it was meant to be frustrating, but it, I don't think that's that sounds so, like anyway. Yeah, it does. Um, even if it was meant to be frustrating, I just I, that's not an angle I enjoyed. Just because we did spend such a long time, we went through so much of Otoya trying to become a better person, someone who Yudi's actually gonna want to be with. And then here's another, another woman. I to- ah. I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, like, yeah. like what was it? A year prior or two, I had watched uh, Devilman Crybaby, and for me, that was a really frustrating story because of how, well, first of all, depressing it was. Second, just um, I didn't I didn't like I, I felt like they hadn't hinted at things narratively, so I, I totally get where you're coming from there. Yeah, like that just brings up something else. It's. Well, at least for me, I watched this live week to week, oh, so that right. that's not a binge. Yeah, like it extends right. the time you have to think about where this is going. And ah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my theory for a while when I first watched Wizard was I really like this, but 
lots of people are saying that it was awful, and maybe it's just because I was binging it and they weren't. That was my theory. Yeah, that, that would actually that would actually do something. <laughs> it's a very different kind of experience. I can definitely speak from experience with Wizard. Wizard was the point where I was getting sick of the two-parter format, so mm, week to week, yeah. Um, like, oh, I know I with... Sick with that with just, like, um... <laughs> with, like, Forza, I... Yeah, like I just I did I watched it as a binge and it was like okay this show works a lot better in like two episode chunks, so mm-hmm. Kiva doesn't really have that, that that advantage going for it and yeah like you spend nearly six months with this storyline and oh boy it was frustrating. Anywho, moving on to the next part of Kiva, what else we want to Speak. talk about? Oh, oh, if you uh, have anything else to talk about Kiva, then go ahead. I had a really good transition. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Emperor form. I would say that um, for Kiva, it was the second show that had a very timid writer. Mm-hmm. And I know back when it was airing, it was a lot of people kind of got turned off by it. Mm-hmm. And it, but it didn't make sense to me. I guess, for example, with Deno, he was able to fight because of the Imagine. So the Imagine possessed him, and he had that personality. Whereas in Kiva. Whenever he transformed, all of a sudden, he, just, he was awesome. He was silent. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he just sort of got super <laughs> hyper-focused. Yeah. I think they, they they kind of try to explain it later on, but it doesn't really work for me. Like, he basically just says, I'm actually very scared when I fight. <laughs> I just don't show it. Huh. Yeah, I don't I know. That, that, that disconnect that always bugged me. I, and yep. that was something that... A lot of writer shows kind of had, but there was a way for it to to mesh it together, and I felt like Kiva was one of those shows that didn't do it well. For me, I always yeah. got the feeling that he was just sort of like flipping a switch, and he just sort of switches modes. Like, I don't know. I I was able to get into it because it's sort of like he he you know he gets the bite from uh, Kiva Kivat. Kivat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then it's it's sort of like he's he's switching his personality, kind of like Emu in X Aid. That was how I perceived it. Um, I guess he is literally waking up. He's waking up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get there. There are ways to kind of headcanon an explanation. See, here's my biggest issue, though, Nago, and the fact that he is yeah. so vehemently against Kiva for so long, and he finds out it's Wataru, and he's just like, "Oh, it's Wataru? Oh, never mind. It's Nago's fine. A good boy. You're, you're a good guy. He's a good. I could beat him. <laughs> I could beat him up." <laughs> Oh man, I, I the whole Ixa plot line was fascinating to me, and I really liked watching how that developed. And also, it was Otoya. Yeah, Otoya as Ixa was infinitely more interesting. Oh, to it me. was. Yeah, yeah it same, was. Yeah. But I also like how Otoya evolved and eventually became Dark Kiva and got to fight side by side with Wataru. Mm-hmm. That was fair. speaking of Dark Kiva. So, for the longest time, there's this. What was it? The blood pact or whatever. The the reason that the the three arms monsters like protect Wataru, like it's always talked about in secrecy and like details are left out. You assume it's like this big event or something that like oh, yeah. that really bonds these guys to having to serve uh, Otoya's son. But at the end, it's just like, hey yo, can, can y'all take care of my kid? Cool, thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna go die now. <laughs> just just having to chat by the shore. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it, to me, it didn't feel like that. To me, it felt more like they had spent that time bonding with Otoya, and 
they wanted to uh, sort of honor his legacy, I guess, if you will. No, like, that part makes sense. Yeah, like, I, I, I like that part. It's just that the way they talked it up as this ritual or something, I, and with how gothic the series was, oh. I thought it was going to be, yeah, like, I don't know. I thought was, there was some freaky stuff going on there. And yeah. now it's just like, peace out. Yeah. Take care of my kids. So uh, I guess we could talk about, um, boy, that ending scene, huh? <laughs> yeah, that... Um, Did Zio even follow up on that? I don't think so. No, no, I didn't. Missed opportunity since they've got Grease. Wait, did G... Did... Oh, man. I just realized, I don't think Gio had any one who really mattered from Kiva come back. Other than, like, Jito, but he wasn't really... Hmm. active in that episode in those episodes and yudi was like yeah, I... at the tail end of the second episode hmm. yeah i heard that was a very in a way sort of arc. no but yeah that was a uh, like all of a sudden just like future otoya bust in with like kanye specs like yo papa there's a new enemy <laughs> oh, yeah. Gonna fight. yeah yeah the wow. neo fangire <laughs> the neo fangire who never come up anywhere I think they just oh, wanted an excuse. Yeah, right. Yes, you know what? Yeah. It, took, it took a second for me to remember, but now it's just sort of like, I mean, I, <laughs> that was crazy. That was that was wild. It, like, I get to that part. No, no. You know what? I got to the part where they first travel to the past, and I'm just like, wait, we're gonna time travel now? This is a time travel <laughs> show now? He's not just observing. What is this? <laughs> and then they have the part at the end, and I'm like, yeah, I guess we were watching a sci-fi show the whole time. Who knew? <laughs> oh yeah um just on the subject of weird things uh you were talking about the kabuto weapon yeah the, that yeah, appeared in one episode yeah in kiva there was one episode where a little dragon building comes from the giant dragon castle and has a fight and is never seen again just cause <laughs> zamat sword though we're like and there was also that one form where they did did the whole all forms and yeah climax form yeah i appreciate how weird of a name it is because it's trying to combine syllables from all forms so it's dogabaki um what i one of the problems i had is if it wasn't like emperor form his main form or garudu form you didn't really see his other forms get used too much like i really really like doga but it, it showed up like once or twice yeah, um, Nago had that weird Lego dragon thing that showed up one time. Yep, there's also that. Oh yeah. Uh, Wataru had like up, a, uh, a powered up bike that showed up one time. <laughs> yeah, whenever I brought up those sort of product placements, everyone thinks of the Ixa thing first, but then I say, no, little dragon. Little dragon. <laughs> as far as power ups go, um, I, I I appreciated that um, we had a new character to kiva to play off of when emperor came along but also my just my favorite weapon in the show was the zambat sword that was just a great weapon like you know he puts the he pu- pulls the thing up on the blade and just slowly pulls it down you hear that do 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 whatever the jingle was so we were talking about otoya's love interest and how that was like a really sudden change for the finale uh, another show that had a really bad finale was Decade. So let's talk about that. I've heard the horror stories. With, seamless. With just seamless. Wow. So it is, uh, yeah, worth noting, and you can correct me on this if you want, 
I'm pretty sure this is the first time that a writer episode had to be re-aired edited. Yes. So how was it edited, though? Yeah, so basically, the ending of the show was just a tie-in to the movie. Oh. It was basically just, go watch the movie and see how this ends. And, but, like, the movie that they were kind of trying to tie into was... It seemed like they had completely different ideas originally, and so the movie didn't even line up with where the finale ended. Oh, no. Like, it, it ended on a cliffhanger where the end was, like, I think he shot at Decade, and it just cuts to black. Yep. And yep. then, like, the movie doesn't even, like, pick up at that point. Huh. <laughs> but, well, and, let's, let's, let's go back yeah. a little bit as far yeah, as let's, uh, Decade goes. So, Decade is the 10-year anniversary of I hate to say Kamen Rider. And more or less. More or less, kind of. It came out in 2009. It's part one. Um, it says part one? Yeah, double is part two. Like that, That's actually... The, 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 it's like the... Haste, uh, decade is the spring anniversary, double is the fall anniversary. Both shows were actually produced at the exact same time when Kiva was on the air. Right. That's okay. why double is a little more polished, because it had a lot of extra time in production. More time. Yeah. <laughs> So the thing about decade, it, there's a lot of things about decade, uh, but <laughs> there's a lot. So decade, there's a lot going on with that show. So it is, it is because it is a celebration of the past come writers. It is the basically the first show that you have these major like you, it's the first show where the writer sort of goes back and interacts with other writers, but it's sort of alternate versions of these writers. So you get an alternate version of Fies and. Kiva, well not Kiva, uh, Deno and all that stuff. Um, Kiva, Kiva too. I confusingly, guess. confusingly, you had Wataru from Kiva show up at one point. At the first but then, like, <laughs> and then you have Kiva. He's, as the, a one kid. That, he's the one that and introduces then, him to this whole multiverse thing. Yep, um, which is weird. But yeah. also, you had the world of Kiva where Wataru was actually a little kid. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So yeah, he goes to different worlds. And he is said to be the destroyer of worlds. And you never understand if he's actually supposed to destroy the worlds, or supposed to save the worlds. I don't know. I never understood it. Did he ever destroy any worlds? I don't know, man. <laughs> that whole show was like a... Kind of. a weird trip. His existence is what caused worlds to start to fuse, but it yeah. wasn't like he did it intentionally. Oh. Right. So he's the destroyer of worlds, but he didn't mean to. So That's the idea is like... In episode one, a sort of alternate version of Kiva shows up. And I say alternate because he's a lot more confident and, like, just more confident than what we knew Kiva to be. And he says mm-hmm. to Decade, Sukasa, he says, uh, yeah, you gotta go destroy all the other common Riders. And uh, Sukasa's not really cool with that, so he ends up befriending them. And that causes worlds to fuse because you have this guy who is not supposed to be in these other worlds, and that's... You know, dimensional stuff. Right. And connecting them. The big, I think, like, the big, like, twist at the end was yeah, if you had killed them, that means that you would have met them. That means you would have had memories of them. So that means that those memories came from somewhere. That means that they existed. So the, the universe just would have, like, fixed itself and healed all of these worlds. But since you didn't kill them, uh, everything is getting drawn back together. So. 
he technically should have killed them just to avoid the big kerfuffle at the That's end. That's a very strange moral dilemma. It's not a well-written show. <laughs> no, and then we have the movie where people say that Decade has no story. I okay, so like mm. I actually really, really like Decade as a series of mini stories. Like the two-parters are really fun for me, but as a series, yeah. it's like. Oh, this show has ideas that it just never follows up on. It's being cryptic at times, and it just never goes anywhere. Yeah. Also, it, it it lost its head writer like 13 or 14 episodes in. And for the longest time, we didn't know that until uh, Tokusatsu Network actually broke broke the story as to why that happened. And basically, the writer and the producer got to talking, and the writer was like, yeah, I don't like where you want this show to go. I don't want to be a part of it anymore. So he left. And hmm. the show had no real he- head writer for the like next 20-something episodes. Hmm. Kind of like oh. Dragon Ball Super and at first. Tokusatsu Network wrote that news? Yeah, actually we did. We uh, we got to interview him. And so that was like, not all heroes nice. wear capes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. Well, Tom Good Kratos. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, and also this show was this because... I don't know. Because of the whole part one, part two of Decade and Double, I guess, it only had 30 episodes. No, 31. One episode. Weird. Um, So it's also the show that changed the start dates of all Kamen Riders after that. Because (laughs) Kamen Rider shows used to start January. February. February. January. January. January, yeah. Like a couple of weeks before. Sentai. Sentai. Yeah, so then Decade is the one that changed it, so now everything starts in like October, September, October. Um, so if so if you were in if you were into the idea of Rider and Sentai starting at the same time, blame Decade. It was cool. Are you telling me it's all Decade's fault? Honore <laughs> Decade. Uh, my my, my was... favorite spin on that meme at this point is just a screenshot of him saying now it's Zio's fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, like, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier how Kamen Rider felt very almost compartmentalized. Like, it was very, here's a new show. Okay, it's over. Here's a new show. Okay, it's over. And it was just such a formula. But with Decade, it was like, whoa, wait, wait. This show is ending after, it's ending in the middle of the year. What's going on here? It, like, it really did feel like an event at the time. The first time we saw Double was in the Decade movie? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that was was the first time that that happened where a writer just came in out of nowhere and not only was it like a weird writer, it was a weird writer that it it was like split into two, I don't know, it was, Mm -hmm. everybody was confused. Everybody was confused. (laughs) Even... Even though Denno and Kiva had their crossover movie before, I think of this as the point where fans started to go, oh, so all these stories are connected. Yes. And that that is something that people can argue and debate about. Gestures, gestures yeah. wildly at the conspiracy board. It's all connected, man. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, as... like I, I had seen people say for a while, no, Double exists in Decades World, just like the movie says. <laughs> Like, hmm, I don't know. I mean, with the um, fact that it was so, so compartmentalized before, the alternate world thing that Decade had going for it sounds like it was sort of a solution to that. 
But um, but but yeah. you know, the story, of course, they have them being alternate versions that aren't at all like the show versions. Everyone tells me, oh no, don't worry, Brody, you don't have to watch the previous shows to watch Decade. Just watch Decade. Just see how bad it is. And I'm just like, but but are you sure? Like, there's no uh, references whatsoever. And I'm just like, there's yeah. some like it. it Fies would get spoiled that... for you if you had. Fies would get spoiled. Oh, gotcha. Absolutely. We didn't even talk about the spoiler for Fies. <laughs> I, well, I mean, we spoiled a lot of other Is shows. Is it worth going back? But I feel like I'm it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, what was it? What was it the show that we were talking about that had a spoiler that we didn't want to... Advice? I think it was Blade. Blade. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was saying that I was joking about how Blade is one of those shows where I don't want to spoil the ending, but Zio already did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I kind of feel like Decade already spoiled Fies, but I feel like the twist on Fies is pretty interesting. Yeah, especially if you don't know about it. I don't know. I think that's the only one I can think of where that kind of thing happens in decades. Well, is there? Like, so here's the my question. Pretty far here's, removed. Here's otherwise. my question, though: Is there a reason that you that any of you know why they decided it was going to be alternate versions of the riders rather than um, trying to keep it probably canonical? Ch- probably cheaper. <laughs> probably cheaper. Oh, I don't know. They didn't I... get many of the actors back, and they were trying to cover that up. I think that was the case, yeah. Because, um, um, like, they didn't. Because, like, you had, even you a, had Wataru at the beginning, and at the end, you actually got Blade, and that was kind of an interesting. What? Wataru actually came back, too, at the ending. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and we also randomly got uh, Kamara Black. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, so, so, their way of covering up that they didn't get everyone back was just to say that these are alternate worlds. Yeah, and. Like, I actually remember during the first press conference, um, there were, like... So this is before we had, like, video of the press conferences, really. Um, so there were, like, captions on the pictures of the new cast. And on Yusuke, it said Kamen Rider Kuga. And people were like, that's not right. That's got to be an error, right? Because, you know, Kamen Rider Kuga is played by Oda Cho. And that's when people yeah. were like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh no! He, he got de-aged by Deno's logic. <laughs> I was uh, one of the things that I liked about Decade was him transforming into other writers. Yes, and yeah. I remember the first time seeing, like the first episode when he does it. It was one of those things where you you don't see a lot of writers. It's another thing you don't see a lot of those past writers outside of their shows. So seeing someone just go through and become Kabuto and do clock up and hmm. you know just doing all these different things that you've associated with these like iconic characters and you see Decade just going back and forth like the first time I saw him turn to Fies and use Autovagin again I was like oh my god what's going on this is crazy so it had a lot of cool spectacle stuff to it there's that's the most positive thing I could say about Decade is that it's good eye candy if you're a fan of these shows. There's a very particular way that I relate to that because I had a very similar experience. Uh, My first ever tokusatsu show, Gokaiger, and I've told the story on the podcast the first time I was on here, um, is like I discovered Gokaiger just looking at pictures of Power Rangers and Power Rangers was all I knew. And I was just like, okay, Power Rangers are mostly self-contained. Sometimes they have crossovers. It's whatever. Um, it's, It's Power Rangers. And then I get to yeah. Gokaiger, and I get to that first fight, and they and they're like, "Let's use that. You have that." And then they transform into Go Ranger, and I'm like, "What is this? 
what is this second transformation? And then you have the side characters who are there for like one episode or two episodes being like, that's the first Sentai formed on Earth. He meets a Sentai Go Ranger. And I'm just like, excuse me, what? And then they transform into what I recognize as Mystic Force. And I'm like, this is like the greatest thing ever. What have I stumbled across? And I feel like if I had watched, if I had been in your shoes getting into Decade after watching other Common Riders, it would have been very much the same thing. And um, so about that, yeah, that that stops after episode two, after episode one. Wait, what? Um, because, so yeah, he needs cards to transform. Um, as he transforms into the various writers in episode one, um, the cards, like, go blank. Like, the images of the writers kind of, like, gray out. So he has to befriend the writers again to be able to use them again. So, like, he can't transform into Kiva until after the Kiva arc. He can't transform into Kuga until after the Kuga arc. So it's this very slow, gradual buildup of being able to do that. So I actually think Gokaiger had a much more interesting approach in that regard because, you know, that, that was one of the gimmicks. He can transform; They can transform into other heroes, so you want to see that. It was frustrating, again, week to week with Decade. Yeah, yeah like, it was basically playing... It was like playing each level of Metroid, but you had to wait, wait a week between levels. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like... There, there's a. I always love the net movies that are used with the crossover movies. There's one where they talk about the comparison between Decade and Gokaiger, and Narutaki from Decade basically just tells Gokai Silver, "You took Decade's garbage and you powered it up. <laughs> Good job, Gokaiger." <laughs> oh, oh, Narutaki. Oh, I was watching Shinkenger and Decade showed mm. up, and I was very confused. <laughs> Oh, that was also a significant thing. Yeah. Um, that was the first time he had Sentai and Rider crossing over. Yeah. Nice. It was... At the time, it was huge. It was really, really huge because, you know, the shows aired back-to-back, but there was really no connection between them. And it was interesting because it was two different episodes, and they it was, it was filmed, and, like, so the, sent, the Shinkinger episode that had Decade in it was filmed very much like Shinkinger, so Decade was fighting in a way that was a little bit different, and his transformation was a little bit different. And then you got to the Kamen Rider Decade episode where Shinkinger was in, and it was being filmed by Kamen Rider, and the Shinkinger, like, they didn't transform with the whole, like, you know, stock footage or whatever. Like, I think it just kind of just went, like, you know, real time, like, in the the episode, in the location kind yeah of. like so, they still wrote out their their kanji but it like the con there was just the a transformation you, not yeah. really a well it was a well, flash but it was well, like i would say it's closer to the way go busters did thing like there were really? effects but it was real time yeah uh, yeah it was real time oh i'm looking forward to looking that up when we get off of this <laughs> it was it was cool like it was it was a interesting way to see that happen yeah um decade yeah. had a lot of interesting stuff to it but just like <laughs> everything that was Solely decade was kind of disappointing. Can I can I just uh, tell you how split apart decade is? How easy it is to just watch so, mm. um, individually. Uh, when I got into Common Rider, I finished Kabuto, and I just remembered decade was going on at the time. So I decided I'm going to watch the Kabuto arc of decade, and I mm. could watch that pretty easily without getting confused. Yeah, and I watched Deno then watched the Deno arc and watched that without being confused. So I think that might say something about the plot of Decade. Yeah, like I said, it's it's very good as two-part episodes, like as their own little stories, but if you want a season-wide season plot, it is. 
Yeah. Like, um, On a related note, I also, one of my bullet points written down for decade is, I don't know why I watched this show three times. <laughs> I, um, I've, I've only seen it once. I've mm-hmm. seen it twice. I've like, seen it okay, zero so, times. Technically, one of those times wasn't all the way through because it was, like I said, I would watch a show and then watch the episodes. Uh, the second time was all the way through, which wasn't that much better. Uh, then the third time was just like, because I wanted to see if it still held up. And that's when I watched the edited finale. Uh, so do you hmm. guys want to talk so, about that? So that, so that actually reminds me. So Mal, you know how you said that like a lot of the scenes from the original movie preview didn't gel with what the movie was? Do what? So in the last episode, when they show the preview for the movie, right? They mm-hmm. show all these scenes that don't really gel with what the movie is. And that's because they filmed all of those scenes independently of the movie. Like, the movie had not actually started production when they filmed those scenes. So they basically shot what they thought would would have been, like, money shots. And just stuck that in there. So, so for Brody's sake, it's the last episode ends on the cliffhanger we talked about. And it goes straight into a movie preview. But the, the preview, like, nothing from that preview shows up in the movie and that's because the movie wasn't being filmed yet so like there's stuff like kuga fighting decade in a way that doesn't happen there's stuff like two decades showing up like like how we talked about alternate versions of the writers there was supposed to be like an alternate version of decade like the real decade like there was the heroine dressed up dressed up like as, as this like gorilla soldier fights on the beach just all of this stuff that like I remember there was a shot Characters, where character specifically facing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like the he gets shot and falls into the into the water. Or something sounds like yep. That. Sounds like the marketing strategy for Avengers Endgame. Just be <laughs> sure to mislead the audience as best you can. Yeah, sounds about yeah right. but they actually <laughs> yeah. paid it off. <laughs> yeah, um, but um, George, w- <coughs> am I remembering this wrong? Was there some kind of fallout from? Yes, I was that about to mention thing? that. So. Okay. The Japanese like PTA Association and a bunch of other people were like, they filed official complaints against Toei and TV Asahi saying that Decade as a series was misleading and it was just a one big advertisement for another thing. And apparently you're not supposed to do that in um, Japanese media because that can be construed as like really, really invasive advertisement, despite the fact that it's a toy commercial. Um, so that's, that's where the, the re-editing that Mal came from talked about came from um and basically this was a version of decade that aired at 6 30 a.m like half a year later (laughs) a little bit late (laughs) a little bit sounds like decade was just sort of the perfect storm wasn't it i actually when i uh mentioned before i went through it a third time that's when i watched this finale for the most part they're actually not that different like it's just there's a, a couple shots added in. I think uh, some fights are extended a little bit. But, like, for the most part, it's just opening narration and ending narration from the female character. Yeah, like... Just kind of trying to tie into the motivations of the main character, which are the subject of the movie that it's supposed to be tying into. The, the one, like, sort of really key point is that it doesn't end on the cliffhanger of Decade being shot point-blank range. Mm. Um, it more so just ends with um, I think she says 
almost directly says something like, I wonder what's going to happen next. Yeah, it, it's like, <laughs> it ties more it's into still, the dream she has in episode one. Yeah, it's still tying into the movie. It's just tying into it better than it did before. <laughs> Interesting. Ugh. You know, you yeah. know that. just real quick, super quick. Um, that, that reminds me that there was a conversation I was having earlier about, you know, when movies try to get you to watch the tv show or when you know when, when things are tied in a certain way because like you know solo has a particular character in it that w- that was thought to be dead in the movies but if you watch one of the shows you under one of the star wars shows you understand why that character is alive and I, that really frustrated me because there's nothing in the movie to, ass- to to tell you why this happened or that you should watch the show or anything and it's like it doesn't tell you inherently that it's this crossed over story Whereas if you're watching a TV show and you know that there's a TV show movie coming, that, that works a little bit better. And it's like, it, it really frustrates me just when extra media comes out that is necessary to understand the story. And that's something, you know, we'll get, I'll, yeah. I'll get back into probably when we get to go, go. Star Wars has done that before too, with episode two. Oh boy. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll get back yeah. into this topic when we get to ghost. And yeah, with that, I think we are going to make this into a two-parter, so you can come back in the next episode, and we'll talk about the shows from Kamen Rider Double to the currently airing Kamen Rider G. So excited! And and I, I will say, like, just to close off this section of it, for me, this uh, first era, the Heisei, this first part of the Heisei era of Kamen Rider is very nostalgic for me. Mm-hmm. And it feels very different from what we have now. Doesn't mean it's all good or mm-hmm. necessarily better than what we have now, because like I said, like Build is my favorite comic show right now. But there's a certain feel to it. There's some, I guess, it's just the fact that this is where I started watching Tokusatsu that I just have a very nostalgic feeling whenever I go back to check out some of these shows. Um, yeah, same. It's it's a very mixed bag compared to how I feel about everything that came afterwards. But yeah, same. This this was all the stuff that I was watching before I really really started watching all of the current stuff. Yeah. And it, it's hard not to sound like an old man saying like, <laughs> shows back there they weren't so loud. Back in my day, they weren't. <laughs> back in my day. Well, that's that, that's what I'm good for because I'm saying that too. But I'm also saying that saying I love every show that has come out since then. What I find really amusing is I still remember people complaining about how loud the toys were back in Kabuto and how invasive they were. And they're like, oh, you, know, yeah. you don't need all these gadgets coming out. They should just be the belt. You don't need all these flashy lights and sounds. Boy, were you not prepared yeah. for what was going to happen. Prepare for trouble and make it way Why more is it counting down? Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah. prepare for trouble and make it double. Oh, wait, that's, that's, that's uh-huh. a good reference oh, right yeah. there. Oof. Mm-hmm. Um, wrong, <clears> wrong, wrong franchise, franchise but like, double, double. That's where that's where it all started. But I, we, kind of, decade, actually. No, but well, you know what I mean. You know what really, I mean. But <laughs> it will start the next episode. All right. It will start the next episode of the Tokenet podcast. I would like to thank George, Mal, and Brody for joining me on this extensive look at the first phase or what do we call this i'm not calling it like phase one it's phase one right it's phase one it's phase one yeah it's phase one phase one of phase Phase three will have the first phase a common rider end game no 
Brody will not be joining us next time. No! <laughs> Just wanted to toss out there for the people who find those terms kind of uh, weird. Um, there is a semi... Uh, I, I'm going to say there is just an official term for phase one and phase two. It just, it sort of loosely translates to phase one, phase two. Yeah, it's pretty much that. Like, I don't think it needs to go much deeper than phase one or phase two. It's certainly yeah. not. Like, just to, just to clarify, it's not a purely fan created term. Yeah, there is an official term. Yeah, so like, actually, this comes from a, a very early teaser for Double that talked about it as the beginning of phase two and this is also where it talked about decade as being the spring anniversary and double as being the fall anniversary cool Which, and with uh, that yeah. i just cut you I'll off see like you that. guys next time sorry. oh sorry <laughs> go ahead go ahead just sorry gonna like i was gonna say um we also have a video about decades uh behind the scenes and it describes it really well where it's like Decade is the big celebration party, and Decade is the hangover cure. Other way, okay, so... Or double, 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 double. Yeah, so basically, um, I wrote that bit. Um, so <laughs> the way it's phrased, this comes from a guidebook. Basically, Decade is, like you said, Decade's a celebration, and the official, the literal wording for Double is the way to avoid the sadness after the festival, or basically the hangover cure, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Wow. That's fascinating. So this, we'll is, get into that this has been time. a very educational episode for me, and I'm very excited to play a more active role next time. Oh, do I have things to talk about in Double? Because there is so much pre-production info for that show. So tune in next time. And until then, or not, whatever. We're not going to tell you how to live your lives. You, you know. I mean, we would appreciate I would it. I would like them to listen to. Uh, it's only been three hours for us. So I don't know. We may have goofed off a bit. Otherwise, it might be a little under three hours. But you know, it's only two, and, and our suffering. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Bye. 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 <laughs> the Net Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network your best resource for official tokusatsu news and media. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platforms such as iTunes or Stitcher. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the tokunet, where if you're at the writer tier level or higher, you can get early access to episodes and more. Team Tokunet will always be online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and of course our website, tokusatsunetwork.com. Network.com.